Project Serpo. Did you check your hair? Uh, no, you know I didn't. What I did. Jeez, God, is it, is it bad? Hang well, on, hang on, hang on. It's tradition at this point. I know. It's Jeez. tradition. Okay. Hang on, I got right. mine too. That's good. Okay, I'm ready. <sighs> Ooh, I look fluffy. <laughs> oh wait, the glasses. Let me see you. I like that. All right, James, give me one that you're actually Five looking. You look like the Nazi Five. guy from, from fucking, <laughs> oh, from fucking uh, Indiana Jones. You oh, know, that's, a <laughs> that's a great call. That's a great call. Hello. You're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. Levels look, yeah, the levels seem pretty me? good. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> All right. I'm going to wear my hair down today. Wear like your hair. You should. What is it's that? It's a big executive decision. For it, it. You need to do it. I mean, it's like no hair. hair. The whole room smelled like Pantene when I came in. <laughs> <laughs> Fred was brushing his hair. I was like, geez, it smells like a salon Pantene. in here. It's fantastic. 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 Oh. <laughs> so was that the intro or we roll that's the intro to the show right there live. he's yeah, looking at my hair going fantastic that's <laughs> oh, <laughs> like a commercial in itself fantastic okay we're convening for show number four thank you so much James we all give you a nod of appreciation for thank you, you for doing having this, me here sir. this is awesome mm-hmm. well we think you're awesome and thank yeah, you very much appreciate it alright um, okay so since we put all the six high, <laughs> this executive level meeting of the minds here earlier to determine what maneuvers we're going to go and which direction we're going to go. Otherwise, sometimes we just wing it around here. Mm. Um, the news. We, let's just start with the current events. Like, okay. there's mm. things flying in the air. The government is saying, hey, we don't know what they are, but look, here's a video. Have fun with that for a while, public. Okay. What? And meanwhile, it's like barely a blip on the radar with everything right? else The government has announced on. that they, they are admitting that there are UFOs, right? In the essence of UFOs, meaning they don't know Un- what those things identified. are. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some people think that part of the pressure is during one of those COVID relief bills, mm-hmm. when President Trump was still in office, I mean, they add so many different things to them. And there was this one little qualifier in there that he had ordered the CIA to release all of their UFO files by June. And I didn't get really excited about it because it is so easy for governments to basically sidestep that. Mm. Like I think we mentioned in a previous show, they don't call them UFOs anymore. They call them UAPs, Unidentified mm. Aerial Phenomenon. Yeah. And that was intentional so that when people put in these Freedom of Information Act requests for UFOs, the government can be like, oh, I don't know what that I is. I don't know what that is. We don't have any of that stuff. So a lot of people were asking me, they're like, hey, are you psyched about this? Like, look what President Trump got in this bill. I was like, I don't know. It might be all right. But like, there are so, so many ways around this type of thing. And then even though that's in the bill, I think they can still keep things classified to preserve national security. So mm. I wasn't too excited about it, but it seems like in a lot of the chaos that you mentioned, they're using that just to leak certain things. So I think it's legit. Okay, so did this start about a year ago with, um, was it with that Tic Tac video that was popularized on Rogan and Lex Friedman, some other podcasts, the, it, Fravor, did, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's Commander Fravor, right? 
Yes, I would say the significance about the Tic Tac videos is that's the first time that a branch of the military has actually released something themselves. So okay. there are other things that have come out through the military, through the space program, but usually it's inadvertent and leaked. And so it seems like this was actually intentional. So there are three different videos and skeptics have attacked it, but in all three videos, it certainly does seem to show objects that can outmaneuver the F-18s that were pursuing them. Hmm. So, okay, skeptics detract it. Or yes. In what, how, how can you take someone like Commander Fravor sure. and poke holes in that? Doesn't he like kind of not have any kind of history of having any sort of interest in any of that? You know what I mean? Like, isn't he someone that was basically... Just a he, he appears unapproachable. I mean, well, that's like, what I mean. Like he's not someone that's like been like touting UFO stories. So how are they detracting until... from his story? Well, I've seen different things thrown out. Like it was actually birds, which I don't believe at all, or <laughs> it was just another airplane. But the significance too is because the audio is included in most of the Tic Tac videos, you can hear the reaction of the fighter pilots. And these are experienced pilots. So Bingo. if mm. they're seeing something highly unusual, you know it's actually unusual. What I've found is anymore, you don't even have to actually disprove something. It's just adding just the slightest shadow of a doubt. Because I think with the advent of the internet, that really took the deep state by surprise. That took intelligence mm. agencies by surprise because they couldn't really keep things entirely under wrap anymore. It's almost like a genie coming out of the bottle. Like Got once it. the genie's out, you can't put them back in. So I think the way around that has been just flood things with disinformation. So the genie's out of the bottle, but make people second guess themselves. Is that really a genie or is it something different? Because they know even if they take videos down at this point, people are saving them, they're mm -hmm. reposting them. And so they just get enough doubt out there that for a lot of people, once there's just an inkling of doubt, yeah. their skepticism kicks in. They're like, wow, yeah, it's probably nothing. And then they mm -hmm. just move on with their lives. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So even though mm -hmm. the bird explanation, the enemy fighter jet explanation are pretty easily debunked, it's enough for a lot of people just to lose interest then. Hmm. Well, and it's funny because I feel like there's just so much other high level, like attention grabbing things that people are just like, oh, yeah, UFOs, whatever. Like that's been such like a like kooky, like out of left field subject for so many people for so long that it's like, oh, yeah, Mork and Mindy freaking, you know, whatever, like Star <laughs> Trek, whatever. And then they just jump right into like, you know other current events so right. what did you see who one of us made a comment i think before we went on uh record here about um that it's a diversion tactic i mean cause mm -hmm. there's so many crazy things well, happening things in the past on. couple yes. of years right yeah i'd seen that on twitter and whoever tweeted it basically said i think it was in 2020 they're like 2020 is so nuts the government basically just admitted ufos are real and nobody's even paying attention <laughs> yeah. to it but you know it's interesting you can go different directions on it some people think that this is gradual disclosure and so the analogy i don't know if i use this one before is you can't just reveal everything at once because people wouldn't be able to handle it. Right. And the analogy that they actually use for this is researchers studying mountain gorillas. So some of these mountain gorillas are in areas mm. that are so, so remote, they've never even seen a human being before. Okay. So if researchers would go right up to them, they would just be killed immediately. The gorillas wouldn't be able to handle it. So how these researchers have actually gone about this is first they appear to the gorillas from very, very far away so that the gorillas can see them 
but not actually get close enough. They know the humans aren't a threat. And then over many, many months, they get closer and closer and closer just so the gorillas can actually get used to it. So are we the gorillas? Yes. Okay. Exactly. We're the gorillas this time. Thanks for clearing that for me. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I knew where this right, was going. Thank right. You. Absolutely. But then if you look too, and the point was brought up, I thought it was a really good point. They said, look how many times you see aliens just in advertising totally unrelated to aliens like mm. there will just be some product some commercial on tv good point and then you're mm -hmm. like whoa why'd they put an alien in there mm -hmm. and so some people think that this is intentional because we're going towards disclosure but mm. then i've also seen people argue look there's never going to be disclosure unless we push for it because knowledge is power and this is basically a secret and people who know the secret have the power so why are they going to willingly give up any of that power so for a lot of decades people thought disclosure is coming disclosure is coming they always talk about which president is going to be the disclosure president mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but now even a lot of longtime believers i've read a couple books they're like look it's probably not coming at this point so mm. unless we as the public kind of energize and rally around it they're just going to keep it a secret the analogy I give to my high school students, I'm like, look, think about any time that you told your parents a lie and you probably thought, all right, I got away with it. I'll <laughs> mm -hmm. come clean to them. And then you never do. And like that happened to me. Like I was a little bit bad in high school and there was one really, really big lie I got away with with my parents, <laughs> totally free and clean. I was like, all right, when I get to college, like I'll totally tell them. But then I was like, well, like I still live They've with my- this long. Yeah, exactly. So like even as an adult, I'm to the point now, if I told them, it would really hurt them that I kept it secret that many decades. Gosh, so, I hope they don't listen to this. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mean, mom. <laughs> yeah, really. But if you've been keeping this secret for 70, 80 years, yeah. even worse, if you have yeah. governments of the world that already have agreements with these civilizations, and then you told everybody, people would be furious about it. So some people think there's so never So you're saying they're managing the reaction. I'd say so. That's a good way to put it. Maybe mm. leak a little bit at a time to see how the public reacts and then know if they do more or not. So if mm. that truly is going on, then take it a step further. What if aliens are have been running the show the entire time and at some point in time they need to make sure that we know that to, to install their next version of their plan? Mm. Mm. That's an interesting take. I don't know if we talked about... Have we talked about the Prime Directive at all? No, we have no. not. Oh, okay, good. So, <laughs> I love what he said. Like, I was just thinking that's my favorite right. reaction to like a new subject. good. So when I do the overview of extraterrestrials with students, I basically go through five levels from best case scenario where there's open interaction. They essentially act like space brothers to try to move us along to... Space brothers. How about that? To worst case like scenario, that. which is like War of the Worlds type <laughs> stuff. But the neutral scenario is called Prime Directive. And so like a lot of science fiction ideas, it actually got its basis in the Star Trek series. Okay. So in Star Trek, you've got the USS Enterprise and they're more advanced, but there was a universal law throughout the entire galaxy that if they were ever exploring a planet with a more primitive civilization, they could not actually reveal themselves because if they did, it would totally affect that civilization's way that it developed. Now mm. in the series, they broke that rule all the time, <laughs> okay, but it was called the prime directive. So the theory here is, and for this, I use another analogy. I tell my students, 
think back, all of us have had some really upsetting experience as a kid where we were watching the National Geographic channel. And it takes place on the Serengeti in Africa. And you see all these hungry lions like corner and kill some poor little baby gazelle. And you're trying to watch it, but it's really graphic. And you start getting upset (laughs) with the cameraman. You're like, dang, why don't they just run over there, try to scare the lions off? But they don't do it because they don't want to affect the natural order of things. And so basically, in that analogy, our planet, we're basically like the little baby gazelle. So in Prime Directive, other civilizations are out there. They could be very close and they could be really, really pulling for us humans. But what do they see going on here? They see a lot of poverty, imbalance of wealth tons of war us fighting each other over teeny tiny differences and And kim kardashian uh, yeah i mean that's the real (laughs) card of the mix so if we can overcome all of those things the war the poverty the kardashians (laughs) then it would basically be like a veil is lifted and they just appear but if if we cannot then basically they're just going to be like the cameraman watching so to bring it back to what you had asked one of the theories here is that they can't reveal themselves yet because it'll affect things. There was a rumor that came out a couple months ago that President Trump was aware and wanted to actually go public with it. But the alleged Galactic Federation said, no, don't do that because it's not time for that yet. It will affect things in ways you're not anticipating. So he stayed quiet. He alluded that he knew, didn't he? It was He alluded that he had more information that... It was out there, and that's why they thought he was going to come clean with this. Yeah, but, but, I mean, I, he's the kind of guy that wouldn't be afraid of anything. So if he, an alien was... He, 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 could, he couldn't <laughs> keep a secret, could he? Could Trump really keep a secret, though, yeah, really? I wonder about that, too. But here's here's another question is... If an alien's got a space rig on that. Exactly, you, you know? <laughs> like... Do you think cuz I like I cuz I was I said earlier I was watching Contact last night yeah. and like in that and this was what <clears throat> was it 97 that movie came out I think it was Yeah, it was around there. Um so Jodie Foster's going you know this this could be the single most important revelation of our history. Da, 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 da. Like at this stage with the way that people are like and I don't know I don't even mean just like what the scientific community is fixated on or like what the public is fixated on or whatever but do you think that we have the same priority of like if there are truly mm-hmm. you know UFOs and extraterrestrial beings and other intelligent life do you think that people still see that as like top priority information ah i see what do you, you're do you know what i mean do you th- do you think that people are still in a space where they think that that, that, that like that has a high level of importance well, to them it should or i agree <laughs> but what i'm saying is that like do you think that there that like we've sort of like evolved this to this like lifestyle obsession where people are just fo- far more focused on the Kardashians and everything else that mm. they just don't care that much about mm, it. Right. And do you think that's question. like intentional maybe that like they've like literally created like a world that people that like something like so huge and like revelation revolu- revolutionary mm-hmm. could be like kind of just a blip on the radar because people are so like self-absorbed. Right. I think that you could make an argument that withholding disclosure from us it is now to the point where that it is hurting civilization on the whole because so far we're basically it. And mm-hmm. so because we don't have that broader cosmic perspective, all we do is focus on us Got and it. we overanalyze these teeny tiny differences between each of us right. rather mm-hmm. than realizing we're part of a much bigger collective. So. Well, and I think that even that, 
like you know in this sort of extrapolates into like some of the our discussions on our our other mm-hmm. series is mm-hmm. that you and I have brought up Eric is that you know this this mental health crisis like yeah. the lack of cosmic perspective I think creates this like you know almost like over significance of the human experience and I think the human experience is very significant and I'm always going to be focused on myself to some level but I do think that like that you know like like you, uh, that's perfect framing of it just like the lack of cosmic perspective mm-hmm. great yeah. um <laughs> that mm. like it's just like it, it gives people yeah, we think we're king shit that's in, what in i mean like, I, mm-hmm. but i think that that's creating we're, a lot of discontent not. you know what i mean just the idea that people like because we do feel like we're alone and we and people you know kind of feel like they're just like this is it basically what did reagan yeah. say in the 80s oh part, part he says yes. if, if if earth was uh attacked attacked all of our differences would be put aside. Mm-hmm. Yes, because essentially it. we're we'd be one big team then, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. He said it two different times when he was addressing the United Nations, and he actually—I read the backstory. He overruled his speechwriters, and so obviously the president outranks the speechwriters, but normally they, they tell yeah. him what to say, mm-hmm. and you've really got to fight as a president to go off the cuff like that. Wow. So he did it two different times because that was still the tail end of the Cold War, and the so the folks was on United States and Soviet Union. And I actually just read during a presentation earlier today, I was doing a quote from General Douglas MacArthur. This was 1962, and he was addressing the graduates at West Point Military Academy. And he said something eerily similar. He basically said, the next war is going to be a cosmic war Mm -hmm. when united people of Earth are going to have to fight against an adversary from out there. So MacArthur said that. MacArthur said that, Supreme Allies. Allied commander, he did. I never heard that. Didn't you hear wow. that one? I'll bring up the exact quote. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Huh. In '62. This was '62, which interestingly is just a couple years after the alleged Greta Treaty. I don't know if we talked about Greta. Is that Eisenhower? Yeah. 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 We did. Did get we into talk that. about yeah, that? All right. Yeah. That was like. All right. Shat- you shattered my 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 viewpoint of Eisenhower by knowing I that. know my favorite, <laughs> my favorite president you know an interesting an interesting rabbit hole to go down sometime would just be presidents and UFOs because ever since Truman and as you go forward each president you had mentioned Trump sort of has a different relation to the whole UFO phenomenon right. so that's well there pretty... hasn't been that many why don't we do that yeah I was about to say like... obviously you're, you're versed in that uh, right? I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested let's in put this. James on this spot we could definitely do that. let me just get you this actual quote from okay. MacArthur. So because, while you're doing that, yes. what, who was the first president that there, for lack of a better phrase, is folklore about them having an extraterrestrial experience? Truman. Oh, go ahead. George Washington. Oh, yes. That's a good call. Valley man. Forge. Go for it. You've seen his hair, right? I, I can see why he probably had some kind George, of alien experience. Well, actually, you know, get, you, you, it, it, UFOs and, and, and explorers go back. You know, Columbus saw them. But Washington saw a similar kind of uh, thing at Valley Forge. And figured they're all... They're all they're stuck. They're stuck. It's winter time. They're 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 out they're outnumbered, you know. And uh, somehow Washington manages to pull everything together, and you know the the uh, American colonists, you know, get their act together, and they they, but they also so rumor is or, or a nice little speculation is Washington claims that while he's out alone, contemplating his, his next move. Uh, he sees a light. Okay. And so it 
he it's like an early report of a ufo um mm. you know it, and i don't know i can't remember exact the exact story but if someone gave him the information if it, if it, if he saw somebody or if it came just information in his head such as you know like tesla and all those guys got you know the 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 visions in their head but he was able to get everything to see clearly after seeing this light this ufo this being or whatever it was uh he was able to rally and take up his next mm-hmm. you know washington wasn't a very good general uh he he was he he had a lot of defeats okay and, and that goes all the way back but somehow he was able to after this ufo encounter he became a a, a pretty decent leader interesting i'm glad you brought that up because i had overlooked washington so to add what fred said there are two different stories with Washington and extraterrestrials okay. and visions. So he was reported a number of times to consult with greenskin men. Yeah, who look very uh, different than other people. And so some thought that they were actual Native Americans that Washington was speaking with, but mm. others think that they were actually extraterrestrials because they knew the significance of this moment, mm-hmm. not only for the future nation, but for the course of our planet. So that was the Greenskin Men. Okay. And then I actually have, because I did a presentation in the summer on, I have Washington's three visions at Valley Forge. Awesome. Oh, wow. And they're nuts. Okay. So, wait, 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 wait. The three visions? Yes. Did he, like, see, this how, is stuff how that, was, they didn't teach he, that to me in grade how school. How did he document these? Like, how were they documented? That's an excellent question. Okay. So, go ahead. Fred, it's go it's his it. diary, right? He wrote it out. Well, sort of ish. So the visions actually <laughs> Okay, so none of the journals from his actual subordinates mention this encounter. So mm-hmm. some people think it was totally made up, but it actually comes from an old soldier in a newspaper that published it. And the old soldier at the time was a young man who was actually one of Washington's aides. Okay. So that's where it comes about. Okay. So this is definitely some legend. So okay. can I go over the yeah, three? Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so these are called the great perils. So the light comes down, it ensconces him, and he sees three future visions of America. So here's the first great peril. Okay. An angel floats between Europe and America. She dips water from the ocean and she sprinkles it on both continents. A cloud then joins in the ocean, spreads west, and engulfs the united colonies. Lightning begins, and the groans of colonists were heard through the cloud. So most people take that as symbolism, the cloud representing Great Britain basically coming over and then invading the colonies. Okay. So that's the first peril. Okay. The second peril, the cloud departs from America, and villages and towns spring up from the Atlantic to the Pacific as the century turns. But then a specter came from Africa, setting inhabitants against each other. An angel descends with a crown bearing the name Union, setting a flag amidst the divided nation and reminding them that they were brethren. Inhabitants threw down their arms, ending the war. Now, here's the significance about when this was revealed. You listen to that, you hear Africa and you hear the word Union, you're like, oh my gosh, that was a prophecy for seeing the Civil War. But 
this newspaper does not actually come out until 1859, which is right around Civil War time. Right. So skeptically, you could say, well, they already knew about the term union. They okay. knew they could see what was going to happen. So that's the second great peril. Now, the third is the most fearful great peril. And there is still debate about whether this has already happened or whether it foretells our own future. So the cloud forms again over the continents where the angels sprinkled the water, Europe, Asia, and Africa. The clouds then merged into one and America was invaded by armies and navies from around the world in this great dark cloud. The United Colonies were on the brink of defeat until a legion of angels descends from the heavens to turn the tide of battle. The country recovers, villages and towns spring up again, and the Republic was never again defeated. And once again, the angel emphasizes the word union to Washington. So some people see that as analogous to the Japanese invasion of Pearl Harbor and mm -hmm. basically World War II. Other people think if the vision is real that that hasn't actually happened, happened yet. yet. Because mm -hmm. we've never been invaded right yeah hmm. we've been attacked we haven't been invaded right Cause, because so, pearl harbor was an attack but it wasn't like mainland. wasn't an invasion yeah but were were these vision like what did he like, basically state this as having like kind of like a like an actual vision or did he state this as having like been told to him by an angel or by like an alien he was told in the vision okay. by the angel okay. yeah he was engulfed, he was engulfed in the light okay mm -hmm. got it mm -hmm. okay and so this is revealed in the newspaper in 1859 now the civil war doesn't start until 1861 right but okay. right. still pretty interesting hmm huh yes so Washington's uh, the, the first, first president first, yep great call Fred great call I would have overlooked that <laughs> and, and between the, between him and Truman there's no recorded Issues of other presidents, incidents of other presidents? Well, the founding fathers, most of them believed in the reality of life on other worlds. Okay. So, but I would say... How do you know that? Like, where's... Oh, because if you actually look in some of the writings, like, even a lot of their secret meetings, okay. they, would, they would have intellectual meetings, men of science, and they would throw their ideas out okay. there. Okay. So, like, the founding fathers, we had Jefferson involved, we had Benjamin Franklin. Franklin, yeah. And mm -hmm. some of them were Freemasons, some were not. Franklin mm -hmm. was, Jefferson was not. Um, but they just had meetings where they would kind of throw out these ideas. A lot of them were very far ahead of their time. So hmm. pretty consistently, the Founding Fathers did belief in life on other planets because they took a lot of their beliefs from the Greeks and the Egyptians. They were trying to base the United States around that, like okay. a new Roman Empire. Mm. And okay. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, like, you know, like. President Taft. I mean, he didn't, he, <laughs> he didn't see. He, <laughs> he didn't seem like a super. He didn't do much anyways. But no. he, like you know, like the Harding, they didn't like you know. Well, let's see here. Uh, Taft's the one that got stuck in the bathtub, right? I think so. Okay, all right. <laughs> Taft was a large man. And then is Harding right before Truman? You made me spit out my coffee. <laughs> I don't think about Harding, except I think it was the Seinfeld episode. They were like the Harding boys or something. Like, you know, um, George was saying there was a particular group in oh. his neighborhood that was lit after no. a president or something. What was it? Because they, they flashed the, was it the Buchanan boys? <laughs> the Buchanan boys. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I do nothing president, you know, but I'm saying there's so much, I mean, that's a big gap to go from, like, to Truman to, you know, because that's a big gap. 
It is a big gap. I think maybe if the hosts of the show gave us some talking points Here ahead of go. time, yeah, we, we could maybe <laughs> research that. I thought it was to avoid those way. big gaps. It's I would have stumbled that. over. Like, I would not stumbled over my knowledge on this. Well, okay, okay, okay. So, so we'll have to start at Truman. We can start with Truman. Yeah, let's start at Truman. Okay, so right at the end of Truman's presidential time there was probably one of the biggest most public ufo spectacles in the history of the united states have you guys heard of the washington merry-go-round i have the ones that's over the capitol <laughs> yes yeah, okay fred why don't you give us the background i remember seeing uh, this is what this is what's funny is i remember being a kid and in like you remember the actual hardcover encyclopedia Britannica thing? Oh, yeah. I just moved actually, the box out of my attic of those. There, <laughs> there was actually a photo of this in there. Really? And, you know, it's just like, you know, it's it, it was like the white little... It showed like the Capitol, mm-hmm. and they talk about it in this... I'm surprised. As we had as, as a kid. Okay. So... Uh, it was how many James five six. It was on a couple different days. It was a whole fleet of UFOs. There, it was a fleet of UFOs, and and they they came into DC, and it's and it's a mass sighting. Is it over the Capitol or over the White House? It was yes to both. It was in the uh, restricted airspace. It was restricted airspace over both. So nobody flies there. Like if a commercial airliner goes in there, it gets shot down. Except on September 11th, but that's another story. <laughs> so nobody flies in there. And on a couple different days, I think it was early July of that year, the UFOs went into the area. Three different radar stations around DC picked them up. They scrambled fighter jets. Every single time the jets went to the air, UFOs disappeared from radar. They're gone. The jets would patrol empty airspace. They would finally run low on fuel. They would land. As soon as they land, UFOs appeared in the sky. So this basically went cat, mouse, cat, mouse for a couple different days. One pilot actually had the UFOs swarm around this plane. And so in a panic, he's radioing back. They're all around me. What should I do? And at the control towers, they're just like, oh, like they didn't even know what to do. But so this was actually the biggest press conference since World War II because now the government had to do something. They were right over our nation's capital and they basically dismissed the entire thing as a temperature inversion. Yeah. What so, is that? Ah, great question. Glad you asked that. <laughs> my, my meteorology background here. <laughs> so warm air rises, but a temperature inversion is where basically a layer of cool air gets stuck above a layer of warm air that's trying to rise through it, and it can't. They can be very, very dangerous in cities because it keeps pollutants trapped really, really close to the ground. Mm. So the government claimed, and you can see the press conference that was videotaped at the time, that basically this temperature inversion was causing what they call ground clutter. And three different sets of radar operators were mistaking cars and buildings and trees the radar hits from that as actual objects up in the sky now keep in mind this is like was this 1952 so world war ii only ended a couple years earlier patriotism is sky high nobody is second guessing the government on anything so the media just kind of dutifully takes it down and that's what it was temperature inversion so that happens right at the end of truman's tenure okay so he would be the first hmm I mean, obviously, like you said, that's a no-fly zone. So but there was anything, like there was there was numerous. Yeah, anything that's in there is is not normal. Correct. 
Hmm. Yeah. Thousands so. of people saw it. And his friend said they have photographs and everything. Yeah. And I, I just remember as a kid seeing that. And it was, a, it was a thing on, it was, you know, like UFOs. But that was the picture. It was the Capitol building. And, yeah. you know, they were just like little white white blips in there that they probably just scuffed up the pic but that's that i just remember seeing it and it was just like wow this is amazing that they could get there and then you know i never knew it was called the the washington merry-go-round yeah merry-go-round yeah. it just but i mean it it's okay so, is it, so they were able to get there so it was it was eisenhower after truman yes okay so then eisenhower and, gets the well office. and real quick if we can oh, step yeah. back for one sec the DC merry-go-round is not the first mass UFO sighting over a major American city. Have we talked about the Battle of Los Angeles? And I don't mean the Rage Against the Machine we, album. We, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, there's, I think we probably mentioned we've seen it on documentaries, but we, we did not go into no, that. Oh, yeah. we didn't. I'm, I'm not familiar with this at all. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Okay, so 1942. So, Same era. No, before, before. Before Truman. This is uh -huh. World War II. Uh -huh. Yep. Yep. World War II. So, uh -huh. 1942, Japan has just had the Pearl, and Harbor, Pearl Harbor invasion a couple months earlier than that. So, war nerves are at an all time high, especially mm -hmm. on the West Coast of the United of States, right, because they're sure. fearing an imminent mm -hmm. Japanese invasion. Mm -hmm. And so, one night, wow. a fleet of slow moving lights is seen over Los Angeles. Assuming they are attacking Japanese Zeros, all the Coast Guard batteries up and down the coast all open fire. So they fire thousands of rounds up into the air at these things. Spotlights converge on them. They're shooting thousands of rounds so up into the air. Is this over the ocean or just over Los this Angeles? This is over the city. city. This the is right city. over okay. the city. They came in from over the ocean. It's right over so LA. So if you're just help me out with some physics here real quick if you're just like shooting bullets up into the sky yes. aren't they going to come down eventually See, they that's they always are. been my I don't understand all that I they don't either are in fact a couple people actually died that night, Jeez. not just from heart attacks from the intensity of the firing, but when that shrapnel actually came back down to the ground. Oh my God. And there is, for anybody listening at home, there's a fascinating picture out there. It's yep. a real picture. It's never been disproven. Fred, you want to show the picture? I know you know it. I, I, I know the picture, but I don't have it. I don't have it on me. I know. Just like, can you describe oh, it while I'm looking up so, for Julia? So check it out. Okay. It's, a, it's, it's <clears throat> all the spotlights shooting up to the sky. Mm -hmm. All right. And you can see like tracers and stuff like that, but there, there's like clouds. But it's a it's a famous picture of what is what they are you know sh what they're shooting at in the in the spotlights, and it's it's an awesome what, shot. What is it? What are they? Was it visible? I've got the picture right there. It looks Look like, like a classic. Who, a classic. who didn't get that TV in here for this? I know. Show? <laughs> I know. Who see <sighs> here, guys. <laughs> there you go. My there iPhone six S. Check it out. <laughs> so check that's this out, crazy. Eric. Crazy. I love this picture. So someone just photo. That's just a photograph. That's a real photograph. That's an AP photo. Is that an AP photograph? I'm pretty so sure the, that it so is. So those lights up there. Is that the thing? That's what the the center thing is the thing. Those <laughs> other lights that Fred said is the exploded ordnance. So people reported uh -huh. seeing shells hit the thing and wow. the thing just being totally unfazed. Yeah. So uh -huh. once again, just yeah. like the DC merry-go-round yeah, ten years later. Yeah, so 
That's the. Did they get it? Did they hit? Ah, that's a great question. You guys are setting me up. This is easy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so well, we have to help mom. I know. <laughs> well, since no one gave him any notes, yeah, so with or anything. So once again, the government had to respond to this, sure. and they basically said, and this is fascinating. They said, "Sorry, a weather balloon actually got oh, loose again. and floated over Los Angeles." And, these and it's balloons. interesting you say not again because this is actually five years before, before. the Roswell crash. Uh, so I found it fascinating that even years ahead of that, they're floating the weather balloon scenario. Now, this led the United States press to kind of sardonically respond, how in the world are you going to defeat Hitler, Mussolini, and the Axis powers if you can't even shoot down a single weather balloon? <laughs> now, there there is a side story that a day later, they did find a crashed UFO on the coast that was taken down from the shelling and the military quickly recovered it. But okay. that's kind of like a side rabbit hole. Okay. So on that little side rabbit hole, like, is that like documented anywhere? Is is there like any evidence that it? There's very little. Okay. So you'll see the story floated out there, but Mm -hmm. there's very little beyond that. Okay. Yeah. The Battle of L.A. Yep. And this was, I mean, that seems so monumental. Like that's a big thing. Like, Mm -hmm. but but it's like a blip in history. Well, and again, like I feel like you made a really good point, and I've considered this before with other things, is that you know pre-internet and pre-everyone carrying a video camera in their Mm -hmm. pocket like you could really have these like insane events take place and then it just kind of like fades you know the media controls the entire narrative because it's not like every person has a way to document it well and i'd say i think that's a great point but even today that happens like the news cycle is so fast today stuff just gets buried Mm -hmm. like a couple months ago we had that random explosion with the electronic voice down in nashville and that was nuts. And then it just disappeared. Yeah, like year, yeah, yeah. Years before that, we had the Vegas shooting mm-hmm. where they never really came up with an answer for that, but it just gets buried and yeah. goes away. You mean away. the one where the Sean's the, the country music crowd? Yeah. That was the, the Vegas, Vegas one. The Vegas yeah. One. The Nashville one. It was Nashville, right? Yeah, it was Nashville. Yeah, yeah. where yeah. basically that RV, they said mm-hmm. it was an yeah. RV, basically had this computer-generated voice, everybody evacuate the area, evacuate. Yeah. Then the whole thing explodes mm-hmm. right by one of the data tabulation centers yes. for ballots for the election. Mm-hmm. And it's this crazy thing. Like, you could have called it a terror attack, and it was news for like two or three days. Then it just kind of goes away. And so then years later, like... Hey, that was nuts. Like, what happened with that? So I thought you made a great point, but like even today with everybody having phones, like they can still bury what they want to bury. Sure. And that's, and I think you make a good point too with like the idea of like creating all this, like whether it's misinformation or just extra information, it's there's so, we're so inundated. Extra information. Well well put. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like we're just so inundated with like data constantly being thrown at us. That's really easy. Like you said, just to bury something. If you don't like the idea that something might make like, a little bit of a stir. You yeah. can just throw a whole bunch of other stuff on top of it, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, what was that? I well, exactly, that. James. A little aside. I want to go back to Eisenhower, okay. uh, but a little aside would be to, to piggyback on what you just said. The powers that be now must have a a more difficult time today controlling narratives than they did 30, 40 years ago when the news was being delivered by three major networks, yep. and and you know there wasn't cell phones. Things were more. Things move slower, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, but now everything's instantaneous and it's coming from all angles. Like it must be harder now to control narratives. Or I would say think- yes and no. Okay. Sure. So on the yes side, uh, a couple times I met Philip Corso's grandson. 
He's a very cool guy. His name is Nick. And uh, one thing he told me, it always stuck with me. He said, they never saw the internet coming. He said, mm. they did not expect this. They are still not quite sure how to actually deal with wow. it. So all of the simultaneous sharing of information. But I would also say no, because during that sort of golden age of media, there were hundreds of independent media outlets here in America. Today, since bigger and bigger conglomerates have bought them up, there are only three or four. Okay. So basically all those different outlets are owned by three or four places. Okay. And to really get an eye-opening look on that, just go on YouTube and find some of the synchronicity in the media where you see every single news station carrying the same exact yeah. script. Like there was mm. one... Um, you, mean like, you mean like our politics? Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. There is one about, it's funny, there was one about just the Easter Bunny. Like, you know that throwaway story at the very end of the news that was about yeah, the Easter Bunny? Yeah. People were taping media outlets all around the country, the same exact story about the Easter Bunny. Or then one was media outlets around the world were talking about the dangers of fake news and they all said the same line this is extremely dangerous to our democracy and so people compiled all this together and it's really wild how they do it they'll show a couple and then they kind of do a brady bunch thing where they zoom out oh, wow. and then you've got like 20 of them and they're layering all the sounds over top of each other so they're all speaking it in unison so huh. it looks very damning but then skeptics come out and they're like well you know these media companies they're so big they own all these places they just kind of give them the stories that people repeat it but so to your question it was a great question i would say both yes and no they have the ability to amplify something a little bit more now, like in a more immediate sense. Like if you, if, oh, yeah. if they, if they want to get a line like that out there, it's like, oh, okay, we've got like all these touch points that we can just kind of shift it out to. Sure. And here's the here's the tagline and make it go viral. Like I know, did you guys just see the heat that CNN came under for that Project Veritas bombshell? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Um... I briefly saw it. Are they under heat for their litigation against James O'Keefe, or was it this, now a new revelation that, that O'Keefe came out with? I think it was. It was basically the O'Keefe video footage. Okay. That, do you do you want to go over that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do okay, it. Okay, you go yeah. for it. I I, uh, I can't. Oh, I, I don't okay. Know. I, I'm, okay. I'm lost. So long story <laughs> I short, know of it. I don't know any. any well, details. this has happened to CNN a couple times. Uh, well, they don't like O'Keefe because O'Keefe. Let's explain to the audience is O'Keefe is a Project Veritas is a conservative leaning. Um, I don't know. Uh, expose. There you go. Yeah, entity, that's right? That's good. Yeah, good. So a number of different times, a lot of these networks, especially to CNN. Uh, some of their producers are just like out at a bar and they get a couple ah. drinks in them and guys this a couple years ago it was released no this one just came uh, out okay. like this is a big deal a couple years oh no ago. this one just came out it's okay. big okay. and so okay. the guy gets a couple drinks in him and doesn't realize that project veritas has like a hidden camera on them which you know morally maybe a little bit sketchy <laughs> yeah but I mean, we're in a morally sketchy time so. we are you're right <laughs> but basically just man he's like yeah he's like you know we attack President Trump because we were told to attack him. And right. then, you know, this conservative congressman now is out. I think it was Matt Getz. He's like, you know, if this guy keeps pushing what he wants to do, you know, that's not going to look good for these people. So we basically have to attack him now. Right. And basically, 
he just reaffirmed what a lot of people have sort of been suspecting about the media for a really, really long time. Like, mm-hmm. it's no longer objective journalism. It's yeah. basically, this is our hey, agenda. right, yeah. go after this guy, mm-hmm. coordinated well, it's attack. a tool. Yeah, I think the, I think the, the media houses, especially now, they may they may have always been, but they're a tool from those with influence and power. Oh, absolutely! I think the United States learned a great deal from Goebbels and the Nazi ministers of propaganda. I was going to say yeah. yeah, from Nazi yeah. Germany, yeah. Because sure. if you actually look at what they did. Mm-hmm. Their strategies are very, very similar mm-hmm. to what you see mm-hmm. in the media today. Yeah. I've been saying that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And during uh, the Nuremberg war crimes, I think when they had, was it Goebbels? I think it was Goebbels, the one that was caught. They basically had him on and they had asked him, how did you actually get all these German people behind this? Like, how did you get everybody behind the mass extermination of entire races of people. And they're like, what about Nazism was so appealing? He basically said, it wasn't about Nazism. You just have to really scare people. If you scare mm-hmm. the public, they will go along with anything They'll that you anything want. They'll do anything you want, yeah, right. for we're, sure. We're living in those times, right? We mm-hmm. are. We yeah. have We have been yeah. the past year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and the thing is, is that like, that there are scary things happening mm-hmm. and that's that's like the harsh reality is that like you know it's really difficult to differentiate like what is propaganda and what's you know actually happening i had this conversation with myself today because i, I use i will do the following i will go to drudge because mm-hmm. drudge was uniquely conservative for for a decade or two and now drudge is uniquely liberal based i mean it got mm-hmm. bought out matt drudge sold it, and i guess now it's a liberal slanting website mm-hmm. so i go there because i'm just about out of habit because because they, they give you the they give you, I think, it's editorialized, but they give you bullet points and you can mm-hmm. grab it. And then I will go to CNN, then I will go to Fox, mm-hmm. then I'm done. Mm-hmm. I do that once a day, maybe twice a day. Good for you. See both sides. Oh, we have to. But, but, but today, uniquely, there was an article in Fox that said CNN takes, or CNN's Don Lemon takes the heat for saying something. Now, mm-hmm. Fox is saying as a news item, but I went right. Coincidentally, right over to CNN, and there's another article that says Fox. It, said, it did say opinion, of course. You know, I give Chris CNN credit. It, it was an opinion piece, but it mm-hmm. says Fox News is uh, why why Fox News is bad for America as it propagates the Trump lies or whatever. And I was just like, they are now literally attacking each other in the context of bringing us the news like it is Mm -hmm. that was always kind of happening but more subtle and hidden but now it really is the gloves are off and these Mm -hmm. two entities are fighting amongst themselves and beating each other up in front of us and we're okay with it Mm -hmm. yeah how'd that happen Mm -hmm. so that's or are they well, Step away from it. Are they really? Right. My bad? wife brought up a good perspective. She said, is it really only just happening now or has this been happening for decades, but we just never realized it? And sure. now for the first time, Americans are waking up and they realize it's happening. Very possible. Right? Mm-hmm. Very, very mm-hmm. possible. Or the bigger, crazier picture, are they? Is it all just a ruse? Well, and this is where it keep becomes, us fighting them with each other. I think it becomes really challenging to have discussions like about, you know, things like UFOs or whatever, because it's like, we're, we can't rely on our news sources to give us information about what's happening here on Earth, <laughs> let alone. That's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how are we going to like ever like really trust any narrative that's being 
right. you know, given to us, especially when it's about something so ambiguous and so like out of the norm. Well, speaking of UFOs, back to Eisenhower. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was sitting in my head thinking how I, I had the perfect segue to get us back to it. Right. <laughs> we're we'll just we'll do that was right. perfect. We'll do it your way. Now, now you're now you're you'll shatter my uh, my opinion of Dwight again. Can I give you the MacArthur quote real quick? Because yes, I found it. Please. Okay. okay. So May 12th, 1962, he is addressing West Point, And this is going to be very similar to what Ronald Reagan says about two decades later. Okay. So he tells the cadets, you now face a new world, a world of change. We speak in strange terms of harnessing the cosmic energy of ultimate conflict between a united human race and the sinister forces of some other planetary galaxy. The nations of the world will have to unite for the next war will be an interplanetary war the nations of the earth must someday make a common front against attack by people from other planets so macarthur actually says that that's almost like he's pulling from war of the worlds there well, and it's interesting because for the first couple sentences, you're like, well, is he making a metaphor here? Got it, but yeah. then in the very like last sentence, he's like straight out. up, like there yeah. are people on Get other ready. planets. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So some people think uh-huh. he actually said that because of what happened with Eisenhower and the Greta what treaty. he knows. Yes. Huh. So if we talked about Greta, let's, some, let's, let's talk let's, about let's it again. Let's recap because yeah, we did, talk. but I think we've referenced Yeah, we're going down the wrong president, so yeah. 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 nice recap. Okay, yeah. we could do that. Yeah. Fred, do you want to give the basis of Greta? I'll let you do it. Okay. All right. So there's a couple different rumored dates that the Greta Treaty happened. And Why this is they call it Greta? That, I don't know. It's G-R-E-A-D-A. And it's always- Is it an acronym or is that just a word? That's a great question. It's always in all capital letters. Mm. I assume it's an acronym, mm. but I've never actually seen what, what if it anything means. it stands okay. for. It's alien. Yeah. So it could be. <laughs> so in 1955, Eisenhower had just gotten back from the annual fishing trip that he took when he was in the White House. <laughs> and only two weeks later, the White House suddenly announces he's going on another vacation to Palm Springs, California, which was odd because he just Mm -hmm. got back from his fishing trip. Mm -hmm. So he goes to Palm Springs, California, and while he is there, Ike goes totally missing, goes AWOL for about 48 hours, which the Secret Service wasn't what it is today. But still, when you lose the president of the United (laughs) States for like two days, that's a really, really big deal. That's a long time for a president. (laughs) So when he finally resurfaces, they said, oh, the president had to have emergency dental work done. He's totally (laughs) fine now. So it wasn't long after that that rumors surfaced that it had nothing to do with a dental emergency. So they had actually whisked Eisenhower away to nearby Muroc Airfield, which is now known as Edwards Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. So I had always heard this story, so I finally just Google mapped it to see how close they actually were. Because I thought, Mm -hmm. if they're really, really far away, that might show that this is bunk. But they're only driving time only about two hours away from each other. So Eisenhower arrives with his entourage at Edwards Air Force Base. Okay. And these accounts, you had asked earlier, Julia, like how much evidence do we have from like this case and this case? Mm -hmm. This one's decent. We've got collaborative evidence from three or four eyewitnesses that were supposedly there on a security detail. And they claimed that, this is right during the daytime, two UFOs came in over the runway 
One actually landed, the other stayed above it in like a patrolling sentry duty. And so a ramp opens on the UFO that landed and Ike and two other ambassadors went on board and they supposedly had a first contact meeting with the extraterrestrials that were on board. Hmm. And the exchange that they made was pretty high stakes. So the legend is that the United States would receive technology from this civilization that could have seemingly catapulted us ahead of the Soviet Union, our Cold War adversary. But the technology comes at a great price. The United States had to agree to two different stipulations. Number one, we had to look the other direction while the extraterrestrials conducted their own business here on Earth. So if you want a reason for government secrecy to this day, okay. you got it right there. But secondly, and this is where it gets more sinister, we basically had to agree to allow the other civilization to temporarily abduct a number of humans for their own genetic testing, but they wouldn't be harmed and they would be put back. Now, as the story goes, the other civilization violated this treaty very, very that quickly. explains pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, I'm sorry. I love pro wrestling. I'm sorry. <laughs> I watch it with my 93-year-old next-door neighbor. It's amazing. Uh, right on. Right. I remember right you on. mentioned this yeah. before. Oh, he's right great. On. He's so awesome. Right on. So the technology we were given was supposedly not nearly as good as advertised. And then to the shock of the United States, the extraterrestrials were taking far more people than they were supposed to and not documenting all of it. Mm -hmm. Now, there's numerous side stories to Greta. And one of the side stories is kind of interesting. Supposedly, this was not Eisenhower's first meeting with another civilization. The first meeting was supposedly with a different civilization, which some people assume are the Nordic Nord extraterrestrials. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. And they basically did not offer us any technology but they offered to help us with our moral and spiritual evolution. And the United States said no. And just at a conference- <laughs> We don't need any of that. Of we don't need that. Of course. Thank you. And Thank then you. just at a conference today, somebody reminded me of another version. The other version was, we will help you out but first, you have to disarm all of your nuclear weapons. And for that, the United States said no. And that, at least, you can see maybe they're not entirely trusting of that. Sure. But that's basically the premise of the Greater Treaty. So if it is real, you can see right away why there has been secrecy ever since. Could you imagine mm -hmm. the outrage if people found out that the United States had actually sold out not just the country, but the entire planet to a different civilization? Not Ike, only Ike that, just shrewd. like offered people up for testing. Like Ike that's was shrewd. <laughs> I, I just looked up for great and I couldn't find a, a, a definition or what it stands for on it. But what I always liked is if you guys remember, well, you might be too young, but the old National Enquirers. They always are in U.S. Yeah. World News. They always had like Eisenhower meets with aliens, and it showed the, yeah, right. But you know, and that's just casually dropping it out there i forget what what men in black was it men in black or yeah, love that scene yeah, they love like, that so yeah, awesome they bring up that that's like basically like how they're like giving us the real news yeah, yeah, yeah i love yeah, that scene yeah no i don't remember that specifically like that that cover necessarily but i do remember like the old national Enquirers being in the grocery store yeah. when I was a kid. <laughs> and that's and, and that's what uh yeah. there, there was one where it was huh. you know ike gave away there is an interesting side note to that, and I read this in Alien Agenda by Jim Mars. They actually had remote viewers attempt to remote view the Greta Treaty okay. decades later. Yeah, they yeah. tried to prove it? And 
They're just trying to, to see, trying to prove just it. To see and what they had actually confirmed it was real. They gave great detail wow. because they could remote view inside the craft. And huh. what was fascinating is this was basically what they would call like a blind remote viewing. They didn't tell the viewers what they were looking at up front. They just gave them number coordinates and said, this is your next target. And oh. so they very quickly figured out that it was Eisenhower. Well, and how they does said, that work with time? Like for remote viewing, like how do they, like, do they tell them, like, do they give them a time period? No. And I've read so, it's, that's a fantastic question. I've read so many books on it and they only give them numbers. And the really interesting part is the numbers don't even mean anything. They're not latitude or longitude coordinates. They're not time coordinates. They're just random numbers. Yet somehow the subconscious mind makes a connection to what they're supposed to be looking at. I know it sounds sketch and it sounds tough to believe, but I've actually read that in multiple books. They just give them any random number? It seems that way. Now, there's... Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go for it. (laughs) Just so I understand this. So, like, if the people that are trying to get someone to remote view something like the, say, like, the government or whoever, like, is, like, the one hiring the remote viewers. Right. They sit down and, like, have a little powwow that, like, okay, we want these remote viewers to view on the Greater Treaty, and we're going to assign number 25 and 82 to it. And then it doesn't have any significance whatsoever. It's not the year. It's not the date. It's not the longitude, latitude, nothing like that. But they just pick these numbers at random and then tell the remote viewers, like, hey... 25 and 82, go. Almost Am I exa- getting this? <laughs> almost exactly right. The only difference is there's a difference between scientific remote viewing and military remote viewing. Okay. In military remote viewing or for intelligence agencies, I believe they would give them some sense of the target up front. This mm-hmm. protocol, though, was scientific remote viewing, and they intentionally do it that way because they don't want the remote viewers to be able to have an idea of what they're going to be looking at because that could totally call into question the scientific validity of it. Okay. So by only giving them random numbers and still having them arrive at the correct location and time, that proves it's more legit. So what you described, Julie, is exactly how scientific remote viewing would work. Doesn't sound scientific at all to me, James. I know. I know. I know. I know. All right, I'll I'll I'll, I'll pipe in here and I, and I and I'm gonna take us away from just a little bit. Okay. I actually knew when I was younger. I was about 18. I met a guy who told me he was a remote viewer oh. for the United States government. So, and I told, aside, I totally believe in this. Well, by the way, I, I, but yeah. I'm just saying he would tell me all these things. He would all tell me all these things that that you know, and I'm like, get out of town. He goes, dude, we did this this joint thing with the Soviets, and I'm like, eh, get out of town. <laughs> and, and years later, he was everything he told me was absolutely correct. But he told me they would give him numbers, and they were told concentrate on the numbers and uh-huh. tell me what you see. And that's exactly what what they would do. He said that they would. He said they were able to like pick little places out on the map sure or, or or stuff like that he didn't get like in the detail detail about it but he was he said that you know when he got out of call he was a he was a he was a psychologist i think how and does one get identified for remote viewing that i don't know yeah i, 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 play. Didn't, I didn't ask ah I, i'm I curious know. okay Go ahead. they specifically target people that already have some inherent psychic abilities and how do they find these people Ah, that's a good question. Likes find likes. Mm. And that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I mean, remote viewing is pre- pretty legit. No, I know. As, that's yeah. I, I'm I'm whole like I'm just right. curious like I guess like and I mean, you know, hey, there's tons of like, you know, 
stuff like this. And it's like, okay, how do these things like start? Right. You know what I mean? But it's like, I'm curious, like, okay, like there's like, I, I picture like a government, like, you know, like room where there's like, you know, a conference table and everyone's like, okay, like we have like this project we're getting ready to start. Right. Like, who's going to be the guy or who the girl or whoever, you know what right. I mean? Like, how do they go about like contacting these people, right. identifying these people? Well, interestingly, I can give some background to that. Two of the most prominent scientists early on were named Russell Targ and Hal Putoff. Mm -hmm. And they basically, they weren't government, but the government would subcontract through them. Mm -hmm. And people could actually essentially go and sign up if they wanted to try to be remote viewers. They yeah. had okay. a course on it. Mm -hmm. And then from that group, they would basically take the best and the brightest. Sure. And those actually became the military remote viewers. Mm -hmm. The one quick story I had is when they remote viewed the Greta Treaty, they said they saw a man that they later identify as Eisenhower going onto the ship with two other men and sitting down in these little chairs across from what appeared to be the impression of gray extraterrestrials. And they said... They could sense the extraterrestrials liked Ike because he was smart and strong. Everybody liked Ike. How about that? It was on a pin. <laughs> and uh, they said one of the men beside Ike was starting to really freak out because he just couldn't take the reality of the situation. And they said that they saw one of the beings put up its hand like this and the guy immediately calmed down. And then mm. they broke the connection. But I'm a believer in remote viewing. I think they got as high as about a 60% hit rate with mm. trained viewers. And so I just found it interesting that remote viewers seem to independently confirm that the Great Treaty, or at least the meeting, was real. That's mm. crazy. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Kennedy was next, right? Jeez. Go ahead. That's laden with controversy. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want you to you know to beat up on Ike too much. We're going to go to sure, Kennedy. He's an easy, easy target. I don't care about Kennedy. Well, Did obviously it was. <laughs> so, so, so with, with Kennedy, there's some speculation. That's terrible, uh, Jerry. That'd be a Jerry. That should have came from Jerry. Not you. <laughs> so Jerry and I, side note, were Marilyn and Ken, uh, JFK for Halloween a couple years ago. Okay, and well, then, it, I think we pulled it off. It all well. makes sense. Yeah, good. So, so with Kennedy, there's some uh, speculation that he wanted to release UFO files. Like yeah. right before he died, like right November eleventh, nineteen sixty three. Right, that close. Yeah. Mm. So, so and then all no, of a sudden, really? yeah, yeah. Yes. He he wanted to he wanted to come clean with the public. So so we wonder who the first guy would have been. It would have been probably would have been him had he gotten to a second term. But uh, that was one of the one of the stories that he wanted to let. You know, he wanted to release. That would be a president going rogue, huh? Mm. If one of them did that, S sort of. There were two different stories around Kennedy. Fred's exactly right. He did want to release that, not as much for the benefit of the American public, but Kennedy and Soviet Premier Nikita Khrushchev were both concerned about a UFO inadvertently triggering nuclear war. So mm. a UFO shows up in our airspace. We assume it's actually a Russian bomber. We launch ICBMs at Russia. Nuclear war starts. So not only did he want to openly share those documents with the Soviet Union, but a lot of people don't know, even though Kennedy is synonymous with pledging to send a man to the moon, he actually was hoping that the Soviet Union would jointly explore the moon with us. He actually made three different overtures to Khrushchev and basically said, hey, instead of racing each other, why don't we combine our resources and go there together? And Khrushchev had basically rejected them but years later, I think his son 
was interviewed and said, if my father realized how serious the president actually was about it, he would have taken him up on it. So one of the side stories about the Cold War, and I hope this isn't insulting to any of our listeners who actually lived through it, but some people believe that a lot of the Cold War was not actually real, like it was a diversion. Because at the time, so we're talking late 50s into the early 60s, during their early reconnaissance of the moon in preparation for landings, both the United States and Soviet Union both photographed irrefutable proof that there was another civilization either in the past or very much active on the moon. And so a lot of people think the Cold War is basically a distraction to try to make people think the U.S. and Russia are against each other when in reality behind the scenes they're working together because just as Reagan said, they realized somebody else was out there and then our commonality as humans really started to tie us together. So wait, they saw evidence on the moon to suggest that there was... Oh, yeah. I, that's a whole okay. different show. Now, now, if we had a TV screen... If we had something yeah, TV... That's I'd episode five. Visuals. That's episode five. Because I, I love... I, I love that topic. So the my moon, favorite. The moon is... It's going to be own. so good. Yeah. It's okay. so, so real okay. real quick, as, as they were scanning, like taking pictures of... Uh, they saw towers and cooling mm-hmm. towers oh, all and craziness you know there. on the moon 45 degree angles on the moon yeah and there's it's supposedly huge but we'll we'll have to wait another episode to yeah, find well, out that, that'll be episode five we'll have to wait for that okay, one okay well let me go do some research so i'm like a little bit yeah, right, well, there's a tremendous there's a tremendous either 60 or 90 minute documentary that probably is about four or five years old now okay. is it moon unclassified it's uh it's a really good one is it I with a find. british narrator Yes. Okay. Because if there is, I'm in. Right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Sucker for an accent. What can I say? Do you do the voice at the beginning? No, of your... I do not. That's Who a does British that? actor. That is it really? You got yeah. a British actor to yeah. do that? Yeah. Because I it wanted sounded... to get Johnny, but he never responded back. <laughs> <laughs> if you're out there, pal. <laughs> it sounded so, no offense, it sounded so overly British. I actually thought that was you trying yeah. to do a British accent. Yeah, that impression. was, it's a British guy. Wow. He's a voiceover artist. And I, I asked for a, a London accent, London, a Cockney London accent yeah, or something. Kind of I don't know what that was. It's it's great. It it's wasn't what I wanted. But... You can't change it now. No. No, I mean, like, not. I hear it and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she hears it and she knows uh, she's in. Yeah, it's time. It's time to go. Okay. So the other angle with Kennedy is Project Serpo. Have we talked about it? No. I don't think so. <gasps> it's ringing a lot of bells, so. but I don't know where they're coming from. Not and on this show. Fantastic. No, I know. I'm but just saying. It's ringing some bells for me, too, but I don't. Okay. Yeah. I think we have talked on it, but you got to just keep well, going. That's, that's so good. So this is a bit of a story. Usually now on the show is when... Some people need a bathroom break. Yeah, let's do, do we that. Need, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I sense the old ladder. <laughs> all right. It all runs together. <laughs> We're all empty. We all peed. <laughs> We're back in business. <laughs> this hour brought to you by Heineken, non-alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> zero zero. And for the alcoholics, <laughs> so, sorry, Cass. I couldn't stop them. Hey, we've got like another week before our next squad episode. Now, you, can, exactly you can replenish. Right. Now the show's really going to start to get real. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I'm ready. All right. So the other Kennedy story is pretty juicy. This rabbit hole is deep. It is called Project Serpo. Are you all familiar? 
No, no. I am not. No. Okay. No. Awesome. No. So this program allegedly ran from 1965. Kennedy was already assassinated, but the story goes that he gave approval for it the whole way up to 1978. And so this was an alleged exchange program that the United States had with an extraterrestrial civilization called the Ebens. Now, here's the backstory to it. This all starts to leak out in 2005 when a user simply going by anonymous starts posting to an email discussion group led by a man named Victor Martinez. So anonymous seems to have a whole lot of information and his or her fame and notoriety grows very, very quickly. It eventually leads to 76 disclosures about this U.S. exchange program. You can still go to the website today. <laughs> I have read all 76 disclosures. 76 disclosures. 76 of them. Oh now, they are highly detailed, but I will say from a skeptic standpoint, despite a great deal of information, there are very few actual photographs from this team there's only one or two and the photographs that have been released some people think are actually hoaxes Hmm. but let's digress so according to the legend president kennedy gives permission for this exchange program now me personally i'm a little bit skeptical about kennedy's inclusion because of what we talked about before break he seemed to be very very pro disclosure so the idea that he would then turn around and secretly give permission for this seems a little contradictory to me but how the story goes is there was one survivor of the roswell crash And even though most accounts say that that being died pretty quickly, according to the Serpo account, it did not. Mm -hmm. It was not actually a gray alien. It was from the Eben civilization, which actually relates to the Betty and Barney Hill abduction, very famous of 1961. I think there's a pretty good chance if they're real, the Ebens are a separate civilization from the grays. But because they're all smaller in stature, larger eyes, people tend to conflate the two. So the Ebens are supposedly from the Zeta Reticuli star system, which Betty identifies during her account with the star map that she had actually drawn. I think we've talked about that. So how the story goes is there was one survivor. It was able to actually communicate with the U.S. military, and it eventually showed them how to make some type of communication device so that they they could actually phone home, so to speak, and mm. let the other civilization know that there was still one survivor. They then respond to the U.S. and they make arrangements to come pick the survivor up. Now, skeptically, this is my second big problem with Serpo, and you've got to take this one on a leap of faith if you like the story. Zeta Reticuli is in the southern hemisphere. It's the sixth brightest star in the constellation Reticulum. We can't see it from here in the Pittsburgh area, and okay. it's still one of the closest stars to us. It's a double star system. Both stars are like our own sun, but a little bit older. And they actually form what's called a wide binary. They don't Hmm. orbit each other. They move beside each other through outer space. But still, even at 40 light years away, understand if we send a radio signal out, even at the speed of light, it's going to take 40 years to get there. Right. Then... As we await a response, it's going to take another 40 years to get back. And according to these drops, communication is happening in a matter of weeks or months. So either you could say that there is some type of faster than light relay network that Einstein was a little bit wrong about light being the ultimate speed limit. 
or there was some type of bend in space time they were using, or this basically proves the entire account is just totally bogus. Okay. So that's mm. up for everybody to decide. But so supposedly they do make contact and they arrange a time for the Ebens to actually rendezvous with them, possibly at Edwards Air Force Base in California to actually pick up this survivor. And it's neat because this actually ties in the famous close encounter of the third kind that Lonnie Zamora had with mm -hmm. an egg-shaped ship in Socorro, New Mexico. So one of the drops- He was a police officer, right? He was a police yeah, officer, yeah. very good. So this is considered one of the more credible UFO sightings ever and I was surprised that Serpo kind of tied this in and basically said these were the Ebens they were trying to land at their actual rendezvous point they temporarily landed at the wrong spot Zamora saw them and then they took back off and found the right spot so after an exchange they had agreed to actually send more humans to Serpo, which was the name of the planet that was actually circling one of the stars in the Zeta Reticuli system. So they picked 12 military volunteers. And as the story goes, they intentionally picked people who had no families here on Earth at all. Okay. But just to be safe, they sheep dipped them, which is a military or intelligence term, which basically means they entirely wiped their identities clean. Mm -hmm. They destroyed social security records, birth records, everything so it was like these people never existed they didn't even allow the people to call each other by their name they gave all of them three digit numbers to identify themselves except for the commander who is simply called the commander so with one of the rendezvous with the ebens 12 of these people go back to serpo with the ebens okay now as the account continues on the way to serpo they're put in some type of stasis or hypersleep so the journey didn't take four 40 years, but it supposedly took a couple months. Okay, I'm sorry, can I pause you for a second? Um, wow. So wait, where, who who is making this account? Like, where'd this account come from again? This came from a user named Anonymous, okay. who started to drop, drop this information. to- okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And In 05. What's that? In 05. In 05. And on one hand, you could say, it would be so, so easy to hoax this. But mm -hmm. at the same time, when you actually read the Serpo drops, you're thinking to yourself, if this is a hoax, this is one of the most detailed, right. elaborate hoaxes ever. Right. You can also say there's not really even pressure for intelligence agencies at this point to put out this kind of misinformation because it's not distracting anybody from any actual thing. It would only arouse more suspicion. So. I think there's a good chance at least some parts of this are actually real. Okay. So on their way to Serpo, one of the 12 allegedly dies while they're actually in hypersleep. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first conflicts that they have when they get to Serpo is the commander starts to fight with the Ebens because without asking their permission, they basically take the body to start to actually do experiments and take samples from it. So there was a lot of tension right up front. Okay. So they describe the planet is being desert-like, not unlike Tatooine from Star Wars. And they said it took a while to get used to the temperatures because the daytime temperatures, they said, was between 120 and 130 degrees Fahrenheit. And so they had lived there for about 12 years just mapping and describing the Eben situation or civilization okay. and learning about them. So there's a number of accounts, but one of the things that concerns me is one of the drops, they just list all the supplies that they took with them. And there were video cameras. There were thousands, literally thousands of rolls of film because they were required to document all of this. Okay. So one of the things that doesn't quite hold weight to me with the Serpo account is 
if you actually took all this stuff with you, how are there not some photographs that survived? And if you read Anonymous's drops, it gets to the point where they're about to release photographs. And then all of a sudden, there's a hacker attack. The whole site goes down for a while. And then when it comes back up, Anonymous is like, oh, I better not release those photographs. So mm-hmm. was it real? And he was getting close to putting out something that could not be refuted. Or if this is a hoaxer, is this a point where it starts to get really, really difficult to actually hoax it? Mm. So they go this direction. So just to kind of wrap it up for you, out of the 12 who go, they claim that about seven people came back. So one died on the way there, one or two died while on Serpo, and then supposedly a couple of them just bucked the orders from the US and decide not to come back. They like the simpler Eben way of life and they just decided okay. to stay on Serpo. And so if you don't wanna read all 76 disclosures, there's a graphic novel simply called Serpo. And I read it years ago and I wish that I had actually got it because it became a collector's item. So some of the graphics that I have for this, this is from the graphic novel of Serpo, which is absolutely fantastic. And what I found interesting about it is the authors of the comic book basically have an epilogue at the end. So these men came back and he somehow was able to track down one of the wives of one of the men who returned from Serpo. So he wasn't married at the time, but he came back, tried to get back into actual life here, and he ended up getting married. And he had since passed away and she initially told him she would be willing to meet with him for an interview because he explained to her that he was doing a graphic novel of it. And so he showed up at her house at the day and time and he said as soon as he got there, he could tell that her mannerisms, her body language were entirely different. She stood at her front door with her arms crossed and she looked very on edge. And he said he approached the front door and she said, I'm so sorry, I can't meet with you. They got to her. And he said, well, why is that? And he said, she didn't say, but he looked down the street and right down the block, there was a car parked with what looked like two G-men, two government men inside. And I found that very compelling because that was basically from the author of the comic book itself. Now, Freddie, do you want to explain the relationship of Serpo to a very popular movie? Yes. So, check it out. And I, and I love this tie-in with this. Uh, you have these 12 guys going to, to the different planet. You've got the little guys that look like the little greys. Uh, but they're, you know, they come to the United States to do the exchange, to, to do the Earth. And if you look at Close Encounters of the Third Kind at the end, they're making contact. It's the little greys. All right, they're coming out. And they send the guys off to well they're getting in the movie we're getting people back Mm -hmm. uh but they also send you see the guys dressed in orange and they're going to they're going away with the aliens and that's what roy neary you know richard dreyfus's character that's what he did in the movie now supposedly they wrote to spielberg nasa wrote to rose and it was like a long letter how many pages 20 pages like 20 page letter telling him please do not do this please do not talk about this please do not release this movie because and only one can speculate he was right on the money well that's insane i never heard Mm. that before yeah there's apparently uh, close encounters of the third that is crazy there's apparently a really high degree of secrecy on set where not even the actors and actresses could have the entire script at once they couldn't take it with them the other interesting twist about that final scene correct me if i'm wrong 
when the ship lands, the humans that come off, weren't they the fighter pilots that disappeared yeah, on Flight 19? Yeah, the Corsairs. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. It was all these different guys. It was, it was the, it, but, you know, that's the, like the classic line, you know, Einstein was right because they never aged. And these cats are coming mm. back, but it was it was it was uh, the flight nineteen, uh, the Avenger uh, party, the, the training mission that got lost off of Florida in the Bermuda Triangle. So that's what it was. It was all these things that got lost in the Bermuda Triangle, and all these disappearances, you know, like school kids and stuff like that. And that's what they're bringing them back because they were taking way too many. They broke their tr- the, the other aliens broke the treaty, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just taking people, not how that. You know, that's what we should have, we should have talked about too. They were they were given the spec. Uh, uh, when they were given the, the 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 treaty, they were only allowed to take X amount and do so. But when you get into like now, you got cattle mutilations. We'll get into that skin. Okay, gosh, okay. You know, we got My mind's so that's, blown. Yeah, right. we're, we're still on presidents. So okay, <laughs> okay. The other okay. interesting twist was Zeta Reticuli. I don't know if I mentioned this before. I always keep my eye on that star system with extrasolar planet discoveries, and I found it fascinating. Back in the early two thousands, a team of astronomers announced they had found planets orbiting one of the stars in that system. They retracted their finding the very same day they put it out. Uh, and I always found that really interesting. I mean, that, very same day. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. So I kind of think that star system is like a no-go in terms of mainstream well, astronomers. Well, isn't that also mm-hmm. where uh, Lazar said that those crafts that they had were from a star system in Zeta Reticuli? I think you're right. I'm fairly that, that's where Because he said the documents they gave him or the, the briefs about what this is since it came from that star system. Yeah interesting that is independently interesting uh, okay so we're going to go to who's it next is it Johnson yeah. before we go to Johnson you talked about the early 2000s and disclosure when the web was young there was a story where a guy claimed to be a time traveler and he started dropping things in the early and his name is on the tip of my tongue and I can't is it John Tidor that's it John Tidor Tidor. that yeah that he was go there for a second (laughs) yeah you want to go there I just I don't never heard of this before John so now was it now let me ask you this because I don't want to waste time for people was that ever debunked or did he just disappear do you remember when that was happening because I remember I remember just randomly stumbling on this before in like 98 or 99 or 2000 through AOL mm-hmm. and I got on his message board and it was just nuts I have some <laughs> visuals here from it <laughs> you're lucky as you're talking I'm like quickly searching on my device I should have known was it we, Teeter was it John Teeter it was John Teeter I actually have it so the quick account of him and it appears in the tabloids but he not only shows military insignia he shows diagrams of the time machine he used and he claimed that he was from the year 2036. Oh, wait a second. Oh, wow. Did he come back because he wanted to to find a, a an IBM computer from like 1976 or something like that? I don't know the full story. What I know is he said the U.S. would be broken into five regions after a nuclear war. That was the big thing. So most people dismiss that one as a hoax, but who's to say for certain? Okay. Yeah. It was pretty freaky. And I, th- I think if I remember correctly... He was coming back because he had to go to travel back in time to obtain a piece of computer hardware from like 1976, very archaic, 
Yeah. And then that had to be taken into the future to fit together something else that had to be done that they had a specific need for there. And the detail or the level of detail in his story and all these things, if you really dive into it, was just absolutely remarkable. So I will do my due diligence and be able to come back next week a little, next time a little more detailed on that. But it was, I remember living that. Like, and here I am on this new thing called the internet, learning to do guitars <laughs> yeah. and things, but that was my side project. I'm like, I would go down there and I'd hit enter on a 26K baud modem and yep. I'd wait a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the funny thing about those old websites, they were really jam-packed with information. Like today, if I'm doing searches and I'll find somebody's old like Angel Fire website, I'm like, yep, I'm in. And it'll show like, I visited this one. I still remember it showed like, a rainbow pegasus at the top <laughs> and like everything's just in times new roman and you're like scrolling and there's the starry background Aww. but as soon as i see one i'm like this is awesome usually the information from these is so good so That's i love awesome. still finding those old websites yeah it, it, i just remember it was freaking people out it was yeah. like the, this is well there was another one it's like they, a chain letter almost back then it was yeah. like a chain letter yeah. just so the teeter one happened in the year 2000 in 2003 there was That's one it. This was Andrew Carlison. And so this is British tabloid, Weekly World News, Time Traveler Skips Town. So this is almost... <laughs> Time Traveler Skips Weekly World Town. News. This is like the plot from Back to the Future 2. Okay. So uh -huh. Tidor was supposedly an investment whiz time traveler. He shows up in 2003 with $800.00. He turns that into $350 million in two weeks. Then he gets busted for insider trading and disappears. But right. I love the story because, you know, people dispute time travel. But I think, you know, what would make people take time travel very seriously is if somebody showed up and is like, hey, I am from the future. Here's the next 10 Super Bowl winners. Here yeah. are the next 10 stocks that are going to explode. So if that starts to hurt people's bottom lines, I think people take it very, very seriously. Yeah, for sure. Boy, that teeter thing is just fresh in my mind. I just don't remember all the details, but I do remember him coming back to a certain year and grabbing a piece of computer hardware that was needed oh, that's for great. some puzzle they were putting together in the future. Or there was information on that computer, and he came back and got it. I, I distinctly remember, and I, I, will, I will dig that out, but I remember living that. And I was afraid to almost tell my wife at the time that, like, you know, I'm down there. I'm down there, like, in the office. Like a dark a, basement. I'm trying to figure out what the hell this is. <laughs> you know I mean? I'm on to something. I'm watching a rerun of MASH, you know, at 1130 at night, and I'm hitting enter. Turn around, watch MASH. Oh, here it is. And it was just every, like, you know, six minutes, it'd be yeah, coming right. back up. Wow. Again, right? Right. Do you know what's funny about that is, like, I'll... And it, obviously, because I've just been in the middle of moving, and I'm, like, going through all this stuff, I'll find, like, old electronics, like, an old phone or something like that, and I'm just, like... I have a really hard time letting stuff like that go because yeah. I feel like it's like important. Like, right. <laughs> you know it was I mean? important at yeah, one time. Because yeah. it's like we, everything has been deduced to this like one thing, you know what I mean? Right. This one little thing that we carry around in our pockets all the time. But like, I have like literally boxes full of like old phones and wires and like devices. Yeah. And I'm just like, what if I need this someday? Like, I don't, right? you know what I what mean? If like, I what if this, hey. not like for like myself, but like, what if like the world needs this? Well, <laughs> and it, I'm the one that has one left. And things were so pricey <laughs> back then. I mean, like, you know, yeah. then he's, he's an iPhone 6 user over there. So, we'll just, I am we'll success. Give me some credit. <laughs> I literally three days ago, I got rid of my iPhone 7. It finally died on me, and I had to get a new one. Oh. Dead serious. It, it finally died. 
Wait, so. Eric, didn't you just convert to iPhone? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not happy. You're not like that? Oh, come Still on. Still holding strong with a Samsung over here. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll be joining you shortly. Again. <laughs> That's why all of our messages show up green <laughs> in the chat. <laughs> <That's what laughs> <it is. laughs> no, it's because I redecorated to a green theme for aliens. Oh, oh is that oh, what it is? Yes. Yeah, okay, is that, that, that was? Yes, that was that, me. That was okay. Facebook Messenger. I it had that a cosmic purpose. thing going on there. Yes. I thought you did that. I no, thought I you did that. That was me. All right. You're welcome. And if John would ever get a friggin' Facebook, he could join in the fun. He has one. He's just not revealing it. I don't. <laughs> I don't have much on President Johnson with UFOs. He didn't do much. No, he, he did Kennedy, have. <laughs> he did have the Gulf he of Tonkin. In, oh, he man. did kill Kennedy. He, I mean, he's he, in on it. He killed Kennedy. Yeah. One of the most interesting pieces with Johnson in the Kennedy assassination actually comes from some of the staff at his ranch. They said prior to that year, every time Kennedy was in Texas. He rolled out the red carpet, had a big party at his ranch. They said that time there was nothing at the ranch at all. So it's like he knew that mm. something, because part of the reason Kennedy was there, Kennedy was pretty upset with Johnson because Johnson was from Texas mm -hmm. and they were struggling to even carry Texas at yep. the time. So from Kennedy's perspective, it's almost like you are failing so much in your home state. I have to show up here to bail you out on that one. Yeah, so there was even yeah. from uh, Johnson's mistress, yeah. basically heard him ranting on the phone like those damn Kennedys. They've embarrassed me for the last time. Wait, was there any theory that Johnson had like a, a secret? Like was he was he opining for Jacqueline Kennedy? I haven't heard that one. I haven't heard that one. I haven't heard that. Yeah, one. there's something historic about when because Kennedy was sworn in on a plane, right? Well, there is the wink photograph if you look that one up. So after he gets sworn in on Air Force One, so Jackie Kennedy's still beside him in her blood spattered pink dress, and uh, after he swears in, he looks behind him. And I should know, but he winks at one of the guys on the plane and they both laugh together and the the photograph is there and they even talked to the original photographer and there and the person was like it was absolutely despicable so a lot of people think johnson knew that that one was coming he he did he told uh it was a secretary or somebody said that after tomorrow those you know those Kennedys. Yeah. Are, yeah. It was his mistress, I think. Yeah, that's what I yep. thought it was, mm -hmm. his mistress. Yep. Uh -huh. Now, the one false flag that we have with Johnson outside of the Kennedy assassination is the Gulf of Tonkin, Tonkin. incident. Okay, what's that? Oh, started the Vietnam War. It did. So, okay. Okay. this is, it's interesting how well they can weaponize the media. Okay. So, they basically floated the story that in the Gulf of Tonkin, which is off the coast of Vietnam, that the North Vietnamese had attacked one of our carriers. I should know the name of the carrier, but I don't. And they basically used that as justification to declare war and have military intervention in Vietnam. But it turns out later there was no attack at all. President Johnson actually said off the cuff, uh, they could have been shooting at whales out there for all I know they just needed to actually get in there so the whole incident the whole was aggression the hornet? was the hornet it may have been the hornet that actually started precipitated the Vietnam War was was basically made up it was a false flag it was a false flag yeah now, wow. Now, there were some UFO sightings in Vietnam. There are some stories that came out about UFOs engaging American military helicopters, but I don't know how much, how tight Johnson was really in on that. Well, Nixon. That's a really good question. For whatever reason, anytime you see modern things about presidents and UFOs, they usually skip right over Nixon. Mm -hmm. I know for, for pretty much all these presidents, it seems like 
Truman and Eisenhower knew everything or just about as much as a president could know. And then they started to clamp the lid of secrecy down. So it seems like whenever any new president takes office, they give him or I guess her eventually a statement of the situation. They basically Mm -hmm. bring them up to speed on what they need to know and what's really going on in the world. But they don't tell them everything. Even the president is on a need to know basis. But I've never heard anything on Nixon. Have you, Fred? Yeah. Have you? Didn't didn't he go golfing with Jackie Gleason? Oh, how did I forget that? He spilled the beans to Gleason. Yeah. So what, yes. the, what the fuck are you talking so, about? So, Jack, so Jack, Jackie Gleason, Jackie, me and Eric just like had a look like. <laughs> Thank it, you. It, it just yes. popped into my head while we were yes, talking. Yes, yes. Like golfing with Jackie Gleason. So, so I'm like sitting there going, yes. "Yeah, I don't know anything about Nixon." Oh yeah. Yes. So check it out. Okay. So so Jackie Gleason and Nixon were friends. All right, and they golfed. And okay, Jackie Gleason was a big UFO. Oh really? Nut. And he. Didn't he claim that he actually it was at Homestead Air Force Base yeah. in Florida? So, so yeah. So, you do you know the story? I do. do, you, do you Thank know you. Than You've mine? got my back twice tonight. This has been awesome. <laughs> so they're talking about it on the course, and Nixon's like, "Hey, after this, I'm going to take you someplace." So well, it Nixon was, was currently the president then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it was nighttime at that point, and Nixon does not have his Secret Service go with him. It's just him and Jackie Gleason in a car. They show up unannounced at Homestead Air Force Base, and the security guards at the gate like their eyes are wide because all of a sudden there's the president of the united states car and nixon's Tricky like Nick. hey yeah raise the gate let us in and gleason later told his wife nixon took him in to a facility i'm not sure if it was underground but they actually had cadavers from extraterrestrials i'm not sure if they were the ones from the roswell crash but nixon showed him them they were just suspended in like a liquid yeah and Apparently, Gleason was really, really rattled by it, and he told his wife all about it, and she didn't say anything at the time, but years later after he died, the story leaked out. I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. I totally forgot. So, how about did that. the story leak out then? And did she talk to like the media, or did she? She talk talked. To... Okay. She talked after okay. he was dead. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That is insane. That's a good I never one. heard. Wow. I never heard that. I never heard that. Jeez. Yeah, he was a he was a he was a big UFO. Not. Or about Ford. Nothing happened. I like that you know Ford. all the presidents too. By the way, I, like, I do. Nicely done. I, do. I know oh, there is something with Gerald Ford. Yes. So this actually ties in one of the best UFO memes of all time. <laughs> Gerald okay. Ford has a relationship to the swamp gas explanation. So there was actually a pretty well documented sighting. I'm so glad I remember this in <laughs> Michigan, where a number of people saw a UFO, saw it land in a swampy area. They such stones with these people pursued the ufo into the swamp the ufo then takes off out of the swamp and disappears and so gerald ford at the time was not yet president i think he was a member of congress representing michigan ford family right right and so he actually pushed really hard for a real genuine thorough investigation of this and this is actually when the scientist j allen hynek who is part of he's running project blue book he actually became a great believer in ufos like the whole history channel series 
Project Blue Book is based on J. Allen Hynek. But a lot of people don't realize he started into that role very, very skeptical. And he was trying to explain a lot of these things away. It was actually Hynek that suggested the explanation of swamp gas. Yeah. He suggested that a lot of the vegetation in the swamp was decaying and then it was creating bioluminescence. And apparently years later, he remarked that he was highly embarrassed that he actually came up with that explanation, which was such a stretch. But yeah, Gerald Ford, that was the one case I can recall of him with UFOs. I mean, if we had time to prepare for this, I mean, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love that you keep. <laughs> I mean, we are doing pretty, I mean, pretty we are well off, off the cuff. cuff. Yeah, <laughs> they keep flogging me over. Here. <laughs> All right, so now we're up to Carter. Now oh, Carter oh. had had actually had personal, um, self admittedly, he had he personal experiences he of seeing UFOs. Right, he did. Okay. Go ahead, James. Oh, I was hoping you had that one. It's like pregnant pause. Fred will jump in on this one. Oh yeah, go gosh. ahead, James, your show. You guys keep coming back with that term, the pregnant pause. That's a lot. All I know is Carter is the one, no, one of two presidents, the next one has yet to come, that's on record as saying he actually saw a UFO. And I feel like we were talking about this over break. Carter, I think he only served one term. And he sort of had the reputation of just like a down south, Augie shucks country boy. So I feel like even when he came out with it, a lot of people sort of... Didn't take him seriously. Right. Didn't didn't really take him seriously. He was a very, very successful ex-president. I've seen him called the most successful ex-president ever. But, um, He's a hell of a diplomat. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Um, interestingly, my wife's cousins actually lived beside Jimmy Carter and his wife down in Georgia. Wow. And now... Beside is a relative term because yeah. they were in this. She she married a much older man who's very very wealthy. Mm -hmm. Down there, the estates are absolutely huge. huge but they became good friends with the Carters, and like they would show us pictures. They were just was his wife was it Pat? No, Rosalind. 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 Yeah, they would just show pictures of them just like sitting there, and they would just like come to call. They would just walk over and they'd hang out. And they said they were just the most genuine, sweetest people. Aww. Like yeah, so definitely a good guy. Probably too good of a guy. Wasn't totally cut out for politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I had... And so, what was his account like? Did he like say something specific, or just that he had? Was it just something that he said? It he... wasn't great. I could look it up on my phone, but I feel like oh, such a poser. Okay. It I mean, wasn't. It wasn't no, really great. Okay. Do you remember just... his brother Billy? Billy was a Billy was the wild card, wasn't he? <laughs> Billy Beer. <laughs> Billy Beer. He went to jail. I think wow. he was everything that the Jimmy wasn't. Right. He has, uh... that was Jimmy's alter ego. Okay. <laughs> Even okay. in girth, I mean, they, one was thin and one was. Portly wow. and right. Billy Beer. I think technically I was alive for a little bit when Carter was president, but this was like a little <laughs> uh, bit before youngsters. my time. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. Just a bit. Yeah. So, okay. So let's go to Reagan. Yes. Freddie, take it away. Reagan. Ronnie. <laughs> Back in, I want to say 69. I could be wrong. He was governor of California. Governor of California. He's going... It wasn't the inaugural thing. It may, was it a fundraiser? It was a campaign rally. It was a campaign yes. rally. And... He and Nancy are driving, and they show up late. But they have the story of they saw a UFO along the way. And then they have two hours of lost time. I this is on Pacific one. Coast Highway, right? Route yeah. 1? They saw it PCH. off the side of the road. Yeah. And figure there's a lot of UFO activity hmm. off off of that out there. You know, mm -hmm. they 
claim underwater bases and stuff like that. Right. So yeah, so so he actually comes forward and says, "Hey, check it out. We saw a UFO." And oh, by the way, we're late. <laughs> you know? And they were apparently rattled when they showed up. Yeah. They said President or Governor Reagan was was highly distraught at the time, and so was Nancy. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. but that that is. And so an they actual... they just said it like without even like. Yeah, pretty much. From what I did, they announced it, didn't they? At the thing, they brought, they came straight out and said, "We saw a UFO." And that's why we're that's late. Crazy. Well, I, I don't know. I'm not <laughs> saying that. I mean, but, but they disclosed that they they had seen, and they were, and like James said, they were supposedly rattled by this whole. Okay. And then the more well known one was the second one on Air Force One after he the, was president from the, from the plane. Yeah. I'm not sure if he was on Air Force One or if it was a if it was a smaller plane, but they had seen UFOs from the plane, and he basically overruled the pilot. He said, "Go off course, pursue that UFO. I want to see what this actually is." And they apparently could never catch up to it. I don't feel like it was Air Force One, That's nuts. but I, I yeah, yeah. I so I two good Reagan stories. That is insane. Yeah. And now, and he obviously, you know, made the comments at the UN. Yes. Now, was it like 87, 86? It was, was two it? different years. It was mid to late 80s. It was okay. towards it was towards the end of his second term. And so part of the skeptical response is, hey, he's starting to have dementia at this point. He's not totally there, but it's very well written. He wrote it himself. Right. I, I feel like it was pretty credible. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's, you got to look too, it's the whole Star Wars Error. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's know, right. The and, Star Wars and, and, program. You know, they're trying to worry about, you know, ICBMs and whatever it is, uh, the, the ballistic missiles. And there's some people that think that, nah, that's really not what they were, <laughs> they were going to be used for. They were trying to build some kind of space defense in case something would attack us from space. And if you even go back, there's some people that think that that's when space force was started yes uh you know that 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 uh what's his face the orange guy trump uh, <laughs> <laughs> that you know that trump was talking about so they're thinking that even back then mm -hmm. there was space force that was like the beginnings of, of space force because reagan was like hey look there, there's oh. guy I'm sorry. No, I got no, excited. No, 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 no. The other Reagan story comes from his memoirs, and it relates directly to Space Force. So in his memoirs, and you can actually read it online, um, he said, I just had a meeting with our Secretary of Defense or representative from NASA, and he said, I find it absolutely amazing that we have the capacity to orbit 300 people in space at a time. And at the time- Wait, wait, wait what? 300 people in space yeah. at a time and so they were giving him a briefing on the current state of the space program and what's fascinating is at the time i think this is pre-challenger explosion 1986 mm -hmm. so they had all five space shuttles but even if you max out the capacity of the space shuttles that's eight astronauts per shuttle right. so maximum maximum of 40 people if you had all five up at once which you would never have and he had said 300 so it seems like the space program the secret space force was well underway in the 1980s and i wanted to add this we had mentioned i wanted to mention this earlier you had asked about current events did you all hear this was just a couple months ago this was december 2020 from the former israeli minister of space defense uh haya meshed did you hear the interview he had given no it's phenomenal and this actually gives credence to the greater treaty he actually said 
that he's retired now. He's like in his 80s. And so like Canadian Minister of Defense, Paul Hellyer, who dropped a lot of stuff, they're yes. just to the point like, yes. I'm old, yes. my security clearances have passed, <laughs> what are you going to do to me? And he basically came out and said, I'm so old, I'm not worried about it anymore, I'm going to say what happened. He basically said, the United States has treaties with other civilizations. And right now, the United States has an operational base under the surface of Mars that they are sharing with an extraterrestrial that civilization. Is and it actually, the mainstream media covered that it. Like right in, here, this is on NBC News. You should send that to our chat insane. so I can read it. I can definitely insane. do that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, me personally, we should have a separate show just about the space program. But yeah. I really think, and I hate to say this because I love NASA, I love the glory days of NASA. Right. I really feel like. They've been in an intentionally controlled stall for about the past two to three decades. Yeah. To Since we went to the moon. What's that? Since we went to the moon, right? I would say. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, because I mean, how did we make that much progress in that amount of time? Yes. And then like, what have we done recently? Yes. And so I really think there is great progress behind the scenes. I really feel like we probably already have human colonies on the moon and Mars. And if you believe some of the insiders like... Ben Rich, who ran Lockheed Martin Skunk Works, we already have the capability to travel to other star systems. So it's just the point that we as the public don't get to see it anymore. So, so. Is, is this stuff with Musk a ruse? That's a good question. I don't think the stuff with Musk is a ruse, but I think it does show how little progress the public has seen with government-funded space programs. Because you basically have SpaceX and Blue Origin in the span of less than 20 years have not only caught up with NASA, they are already exceeding NASA in some areas. Or at least the public publicly, perception of yeah. NASA. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. I have a friend who actually works, I have one friend at SpaceX and one at Blue Origin. They're good contacts to have. And just the other day he had posted that SpaceX was actually awarded the government contract to supply the rockets to NASA for the moon landing. And so I sent him a message. I was like, hey, man, I was like, does this just mean NASA's space launch system is dead in the water? And basically, he said the same thing that my NASA friend said. And they basically said, they're probably going to fly the thing like one time because they've literally spent hundreds of billions of taxpayer dollars on this thing. And then that's going to be it. And what I share with my students, I don't know if you all have seen drawings of the space launch system but it's basically a huge saturn V rocket mm -hmm. and then two solid fuel space shuttle booster rockets on the side so i say to my students i said look at what technology you guys as teenagers use today i was like probably all of you secretly have your cell phones on you i was like mm -hmm. with my 6s <laughs> i probably have the oldest cell phone in the whole class i said all of you even if your families don't have a lot of money you've probably got one nice flat screen tv at home because they're so cheap now you get a nice one for like 300 bucks i said you as a teenager all the technology you're using in your life has all been out developed perfected within the last five years and then i show a diagram of the space launch system i'm like Think about what NASA is using today. This is supposed to be the most cutting edge program There's we have no out way. there. And they're recycling 1960s technology. Like all this is, is 1960s technology. And I say to the kids, is there any other aspect of your life where you're still using 1960s technology? Are you breaking out a slide rule in math class? Mm -hmm. No, like that would be ridiculous in any other facet of life. But mm -hmm. we've just been conditioned over the past 20 to 30 years to just kind of accept this as normal with the space program. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. Like you think about it, you know, it's it's NASA and you have the museums and all this stuff and they, they make movies about the about Apollo and all this stuff. But really, what the hell has happened in the last 30, 
30 years, 35, 40 yes. years. Yeah, and what, and what would be the point to the not? The space shuttles were a goddamn joke. They lasted, they stretched that whole thing out to 20, 25 years. Well, I mean, hold, really? Hold on there, friend. Hold on. <laughs> I like the space shuttles. Now, I will say it's they like, weren't they weren't inspirational like no. the Apollo missions because they didn't get to the moon, but they were engineering masterpieces. Like people don't realize how many of them flew. There were 135 shuttle missions. 133 of them got back safely. And like it was an awesome piece of equipment. It was basically like a pickup truck they could take up into space. Like they deployed Hubble that way, different satellites. So it was very versatile, but not only not sexy though. It wasn't not sexy. sexy. Yeah. And then I really got frustrated when NASA decommissioned the fleet. Like they decommissioned them in 2011. Yeah, why would we stop that? Well, ever they they basically said they're too old, they're not safe. But my angle was then build a couple new space shuttles. Like they were very versatile. Ever since then, we've been paying the Soviet, the Russians, ninety million dollars a seat to get onto their Soyuz rockets yeah. to get so, our, to our space station. To get to our space station. So what is exciting about SpaceX and Blue Origin is. At the very least, they finally have us once again sending people up from America and not just hitching rides on Russian rockets. But So I don't think what they're doing is fake, but I do think they've caught up pretty darn quickly with the okay. actual space agencies. If you do want a good SpaceX conspiracy, a lot of people think the shots of the Tesla Roadster in outer space are actually faked. So mm. we could talk about that. Well, so, so did you see the little mouse that's running around? The yes, place? I did see that. <laughs> they said it was officially frozen propellant, but a lot of people saw that. And then, and then, then Tesla said they did it on purpose. It was a robotic mouse. They're saying it was. Are you serious? Tesla well, that said, makes it looks even more sus. Tesla said it was a robotic mouse that they programmed, to like, to like. So you're looking at this roadster up there. Where a, is it? So they, so so Elon Musk is nuts. Yeah, so, yeah. So he, he basically took a roadster, mounted it to I guess one of the satellites they have up there, right? Uh -huh. Well, it was in the nose cone of one of the rockets okay. that they put up. Well, it's okay. now circling in orbit. And on the end of and, and there's a camera there, multiple cameras mm -hmm. in there. And as it's you're looking at the camera, you're looking at space, you're looking at the, the you're looking at the driver's seat of the car. If you look out toward the hood, there's like this little mouse that, that comes out and darts, walks around the hood, and then just a mouse. Okay. See, I thought the mouse was on, not to call you out, I thought Maybe it was on, different. A, I think it was on a launch after that. Okay. The cameras were pointing back at the, the rocket nozzles, and around the rim of the rocket, you see what looks like a little mouse skitter out and oh, then run around. Oh, it's very clear. I mean, yes. like, it, there's no doubt about it. It's a mouse. It's just that they're saying it was robotic, and they just did it as a novelty to freak people out. That makes look, me look, even more look suspicious. Look that up online. That's oh, a, my gosh. In terms of robot animals, my buddy just sent me this today. Freaking terrifying. Somebody was filming a rocket at SpaceX, they already have robotic dogs patrolling yeah, I, I, the I've campus. I've actually seen that. Oh. Wait, 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 what? Like, it's, it's like in the, the, the reboot of War of the Worlds, which uh, it was just like, they just had like a series of it. And, but it, it it's a four-legged robot. Is that and, like, um, what's that, Boston thing? Or Boston Dynamics. Yeah, like, Google well, bought yeah. out Boston Dynamics okay. and they make them. But so like, why do they make them look like animals? Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't, it's I don't, a more stable Yeah, I platform. guess that makes sense. Okay, let, let's go to okay. probably with one of the most corrupt presidents ever, yes. in my opinion, yes. because I think he knows way more than any deep yes. cover shit this guy knows. Bush. That's Bush 1. Bush, mm. Bush 1, H.W., 
Yeah, I think he comes across as so bland and he was, so. He like, was the head of the CIA. Exactly. He was. Yes. He, was yeah. he knows where the bodies are buried. He knows where they're buried, and he knows who killed Kennedy. Man, the shtick <laughs> of because him he was on there. The he was there. He was Did there. you guys ever see the episode with him on The Simpsons when he's the next door neighbor? No. Oh my god, <laughs> is it good? It's one of the best episodes ever. Okay, go ahead. You know, the funny thing is. I totally agree with Fred. I'm sure he knew more than most presidents because he was director of the CIA. As far as I know, Fred, can you recall any actual UFO stories with H.W. Bush? Nothing. Nothing. Um, Nor that can was probably I. intentional. Could have been. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Quail was Quail had come on uh, not a, talk, a late night talk show, but a different show, a variety show on, on either the web or on television years later yeah. or decades later. And he was posed that question. He was in earnest said that we, because I personally really wanted to know, but but we as an administration, once we got in there, we wanted to know. We, And we went in there, and he goes, they wouldn't give us anything. Quail's on record as saying that he, like they, Quail. He, yeah. they wouldn't give him anything. Yeah. Hmm. You know, he wanted to know, but there was nothing was made available to them. People kind of naively assume that once you're president, you know everything, but there are so many higher levels of classification sure. that not only is there How that How can that aspect, be possible? Did we talk about that before? Like, it well, doesn't make any sense It's the plausible deniability thing is what it is. So if, if you don't tell the president, if they are asked, they can literally say, I don't know without perjuring themselves. The other issue you have, and this comes in with people who work at Area 51, these other sensitive installations is just what's called compartmentalization. So mm -hmm. nobody knows the entire Everything. picture yeah. in case they get turned, they get captured, they decide to start talking. They can talk about their own little piece in detail, Got but it. nothing out beyond what, what is um what is that called like that that's um that's a way of organizational management yes what is this a name is for it just that? compartmentalization that's perhaps i thought it was yeah maybe i because lazar talks about that in his interview with yeah, rogan yeah, about how that. he was mm -hmm. instructed they compartmentalized all those employees at s4 mm -hmm. They yeah. all had a specific function, and they were not permitted to interact with each other. Yeah. Right. And they weren't given more information in what they needed to know. Right. So that they no one could really spill the beans. Mm -hmm. Which, ironically, is a very, very terrible, inefficient way to manage people. It's a horrific way. Like, when you can have synergy, then you can move along faster. And I think I recall, maybe it was Lazar being highly frustrated, because when he was there, he said... So much of the time was actually being wasted because there was they no just collaboration. Right, exactly, he, he says science, science needs collaboration. Yep, mm -hmm. yep, exactly. And that wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so on the on the bill, Slick Willie, uh, <laughs> Bill, Slick Willie. So the best story about Clinton is when he was assigning some of his friends to different cabinet positions. He said to his one by, he said, "Hey, if I put you over at Justice, the Department of Justice, I want to know two things." I want to know what really crashed at Roswell and who shot JFK. And he was apparently stonewalled on both fronts. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Clinton later on in his second term, I think, actually mentioned that multiple times that, hey, I want to know too, and they won't even tell me. Uh, the one other story that we have, this is before she was as sinister as she is portrayed today, was with Hillary Clinton. Oh, there is a photograph of her walking with one of the Rockefellers. What was the name of the old Rockefeller? Was it Nelson? Nelson. Nelson, okay, good. Nelson. So they're walking 
I think they're in Arkansas, maybe, but she is actually carrying, I forget what book it is, but it's a book about UFOs that Rockefeller had given her. So Mm. the official story is Bill and Hillary had a great personal vested interest in UFOs, but they could never actually get anything. One of their... uh one of their cohorts or one of their hired help or one of uh, those administrations, the Clinton years, was John Podesta. Yes. And John Podesta became uh, a UFO enthusiast, I guess, in recent years. I mean, he's... He did. Part, I th- maybe or maybe not. I, he I don't did. know. It's, it's tough for me to talk about Podesta positively at all just because of he and his brother Tony's implications in the Pizzagate scandal. Mm-hmm. But I do remember one time on the History Channel, I was kind of disappointed they did this. They sort of jumped on the anti-Trump bandwagon and they tried to portray it because Podesta, what cabinet position did he hold in the Obama White House? Mm, that's a good question. I know that he was... was Fred, com- can you look that was up? Was it communications, wasn't it? Yeah, so they basically tried to say, if we had more time, we were going to disclose all of this. But then President Trump got in and it all went away. Mm. And I found that rather disingenuous because if we can leap ahead to President Obama, right. a lot of people really, really expected him to be the disclosure president. Right. right. And me personally, I was not a very big President Obama fan, but I thought if this guy actually discloses everything, that's going to be awesome and I'll totally <laughs> He's got respect my vote. that. Yeah. Right. But as far as I know, the only Obama story that I can think of actually comes from Will Smith's son. Oh, yeah. So, I remember you talking about this before. Did I talk about this one? No, 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 definitely say it again. Def- but that yeah. definitely is worth repeating. Yeah, real no, okay. So this is yeah. Will Smith is taking his two kids, Willow and then I forget what the son's name is, but they're a Jayden, little bit. Jaden. Jaden, thank you. He's taking them to the White House. And on the way there, he's basically threatening his son. He's like, don't you dare ask President Obama about UFOs. <laughs> and he bucked his dad and basically asked him anyway. And it was when they were in the White House briefing room. And Obama kind of like smiled and said something cryptic. He said, well, if UFOs were real, this is the room right here where we would be talking about it. And then he like winks <laughs> oh, it at him. That's so a good like, answer. That's pretty good. So that's like, that's answer. the one Obama UFO story that I can think of off the top of my head. They really expected him to be dis- the disclosure guy, and he wasn't. What was Podesta? Podesta was the counselor to uh, President Barack Obama. He was the chairman uh, for uh, Hillary's P- PAC fund. And let's see, he was a chief of staff for Clinton. The chief of staff. Chief of staff. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And he was the counsel for the Senate Judiciary Committee. Okay, thank you, Fred. Was he chief of staff for all eight years? Uh, it does eight. not say, does not give the years okay. off, offhand. I'm sure it says it okay. somewhere in there. But. Okay. Hmm. Mm, we know Trump. Well I, well, I thought Trump was going to disclose something, too. He tried to disclose everything else. You well, know, <laughs> funny thing on the some of the disclosure is even though he didn't make a lot of public progress with UFOs, he did succeed in declassifying a ton of documents on the Kennedy assassination. And what's interesting is all these years later, I think it was the CIA still pushed back on him and said, no, reclassify these for X amount of years. And he said, heck no, this needs to get out. And there were a lot of little tangential tidbits in there. Like in one of the drops, it basically showed how the FBI was pursuing leads that Hitler had fled to Argentina. Right. Mm -hmm. I think we had talked about that before. So, 
I do think that had he gotten another term, he probably would have disclosed a good bit more. You all alluded to it earlier. Uh, my personal take was he already knew the Space Force existed. This was basically yeah. his way of creating the Space Force to get it out there into the public collective. And now in just a couple of years, like lo and behold, we're suddenly going to have a fully functional Space Force. Got it. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of the things with uh, that they're, it's rumored that they're really afraid of giving him information because I guess ex-presidents are privy to what's still, because they're like, he's going to spill the he's beans. A wild yeah, he's a wild card. He's going to sell it off for his own advantage. And that's what they're afraid of with him is mm. that he's going to use this. Well, they could tell Biden anyways because he wouldn't remember tomorrow anyway. He won't be. A, Come on, man. He'd have to. He'd have to, he'd have to have that. He'd have to have that revelation released that day because he's not going to remember tomorrow. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. That's, that's, that's the president's with. Uh, with the, we turned this into a pretty decent show. This yeah. Is, yeah. This is an excellent yeah. show. Considering, considering you didn't have any direction. <laughs> <laughs> I know. My only research was last night watching half. Of content. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last topic for the day. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about time travel beyond John Teeter. Oh. Just the concept of that because time travel can change the UFO. It can change the UFO discussion completely because if we are living in a time right now that has this much technology, if some point in the future as we progress gives mankind the ability to travel in time then what we're experiencing now is a byproduct and we're probably interacting with people from the future mm -hmm. in various stages of evolution infiltration i mean the whole thing is just so messy in a lot of ways is there any way to, to like wrap that in a bow or try to speak intelligently you know what i'm trying to say sure. like we could, we're, we could be mixing with people who really are from the, from the future mm -hmm. our technology now could be being given to us from the future true you know true. It, well, it, and it, how do we know the only way that people from the future are, are going to come and communicate is like in physical form i mean watch, now we have all these other means wa of watch the simpsons that's all you need to do <laughs> yeah i mean for real they predicted so many things uh -huh. and right there matt groening is oh, a yeah. time their one their one treehouse of horror episode time and punishment is the one i always <laughs> reference when homer inadvertently builds the time machine out of the toaster oh, travels yeah. back to the mesozoic and starts accidentally messing stuff up then it messes up the present so i guess the one lead into that your question is an excellent one, but it's also built on an assumption that there is really only one thread of time. Yeah. That mm. as you go forward, you come back to that exact thread. So sure. that is the one type of time travel that physicists tend to think is not possible. So just a real quick overview of the three different types. Okay. So we'll come back to that one that you okay. said. The problem with the one that you said are issues in causality, which is basically the fancy way of saying what came first. It's like the chicken or the egg scenario of time travel and physics. And so that's where you get, excuse me, things like the grandfather and grandmother yeah, you, paradox. You can't shoot your grandfather, right? Right. So the way that physicists get around this is two different ways. One possibility, and time travel to the future is just fine. Einstein basically predicted that happens. Well, we do which, that now. Is with we can they send clocks up in right. in jets 
And it's, it's only, a, what, a fraction of a second, right. but they're off. Right? You're right. Okay. You're right. Exactly. And actually, that's part of the way they got our GPS system to work so well is they have atomic clocks on the satellites up there, but they also have to account for the effects of special and general relativity to actually get precise enough times for our GPS systems to work. Crazy. So where the issue comes in is traveling back to the past because you get paradoxes. So there's two ways around that. Idea number one is called timescape. I usually dub it anti-free will. In timescape, you can go back to whatever time you want to, but you can't actually interact enough to change anything because that would then cause paradoxes to the timeline once you go forward again. Or but split realities. But what, force will yeah. that, well, what force would stop you from doing that? Ah, they never actually explain, but it's just some cosmic force to prevent contradiction. So okay. in timescape, you could go back to Dealey Plaza, the grassy knoll, and you could watch the Kennedy assassination unfold. But the second that you try to stop the umbrella man from signaling or stop the shooter behind the picket fence, some cosmic force would intervene to prevent you from doing that because then it would cause contradictions to your own world line. So that's idea number one is timescape. Okay. Now the way around that is idea number two, which is the many worlds hypothesis. Okay. So in that way, you can time travel back to the past and you can do whatever you want. You can interact however you want to. But as soon as you do, a new world line splits off from there. Mm -hmm. One in which the present as we know it remains the same. One in which there's a new reality. So in many worlds, you go back, you stop the Kennedy assassination. There are now two world lines, the one we live in where this beloved president was gunned down, but then an alternate one where a time traveler from 2021 went back to stop the assassination. Here's my only issue with many worlds. What constitutes a significant change? Physicists tell us it doesn't have to be as epic as saving the life of a president. They say anytime a decision is made, a new world line branches off. So what constitutes a decision? Like if yeah, I, mean, I you step can make, on a blade of grass. I was going to say something. a decision about what pair of shoes you wear. You know what right. I mean? Like that could be anything. So the You're butterfly exactly effect? Right. Is that like the movie The Butterfly Effect? Was that's that, a good movie. That was a better movie than I thought it would be. But is that kind of what that's so about? That's what that theory is. Yeah, well, but Mike butterfly Fred. effect is... is, is uh, you know, if a butterfly flaps its wings, it creates the wind that moves this to okay. does that to that. Mm -hmm. okay. But it's it's the same same kind same of concept. concept. Yeah. So they tell us even a decision as small as a single electron in a single atom jumping up to another shell versus not could branch off a new world line. So my beef with many worlds is if that's true, that would mean literally every second of every day you would have an infinite amount of world lines branching off from there. Now, what's fascinating to me is people from black budget programs, people who have alien encounters, a consistent theme is it's neither of those two. It's actually what you described earlier and what the Simpsons portrayed. And there's not even a name for it. So I just dub it the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. So in this way, you are visiting the past. And as you do, it makes changes to the future. So that's how some people explain the growing in popularity Mandela effect. Mm -hmm. That's also how one of the interesting twists on extraterrestrials 
are we sure that they are actually aliens from another planet? Yeah. So one mm-hmm. of the ideas is... That it's us. It's yeah. us. And it's us at different time mm-hmm. periods. People ask, what if the Nordic aliens are us in the near future? And what if okay. the gray mm-hmm. aliens are us in the, the far, far away future? after we've ruined everything. Exactly. <laughs> and there's even been in one of the remote viewing books I read, I found this account fascinating. They actually had remote viewers remote view the Galactic Federation, which it sounds like a name from Star Trek, but this is what it's actually always referred to. And you can even go back as far as the book of Genesis. And this is often overlooked by scripture scholars, but there is basically a council of angels that are advising God on what to do. And so people who remote viewed this said it was basically like the United Nations, except it was many different civilizations. Now, the really fascinating twist, which I loved, they said that there were representatives from the gray civilization there from three different time periods, far future grays, future grays, present day grays. And so after the sessions, their monitors asked them, well, were the grays interacting with each other? Did they know that it was actually them? They said they knew that it was them, but they stayed very much apart from their future versions. And Mm. I mean, who knows if it's true, but I found that account absolutely fascinating. Fascinating. That is is absolutely nuts. Why, why do you think as humans we're so fascinated by time travel? Why do, why does it occupy like a lot of science fiction movies? It just, I think it's because people always like have not, I don't want to say regret, but I think people are always do over. Yeah. I think people just always are questioning their decisions. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, and it's funny because like, I think that it takes away like the idea of like acceptance and people just trusting this idea that maybe like regardless of what your trials and tribulations are there are certain things that you're just meant to endure and that you're meant to go through that it's not mm-hmm. all about like yes you have decisions that you make that like affect your life and you're in, you know you're responsible for your choices but there are also like i don't think any of us are exempt from pain and so like i think there's this idea of this like ideal okay that you can go through that like you can make these choices that are going to like kind of like pull you away from like negative consequences that's a great point great observation i also think once people start to ponder their own existence they realize what a teeny tiny whiff of the cosmos we are actually here for Mm. and i think time travel especially for people that are uncertain about their spirituality kind of offers us the potential that maybe this isn't all there is maybe yeah. we get a do-over maybe we get a second chance or maybe when, we can see a little bit more absolutely yeah. when our yeah. mortal coils are cut so short hmm. yeah i like that that's interesting <laughs> so one of the things i like about looking at things that are old is because it like reminds me of like like the breadth of experience that i've gotten even like even if it's not like something that i like have that's like right. you know from my lifetime like if i see something from like my grandparents something like that right it like reminds me of like that enduring nature of the world what what would i say what is our struggle james what is the obstacle now for us to time travel is it purely a science development thing we're just not there yet we Oh, that's a great question. So if you're talking about time travel strictly in Einstein's universe through special relativity, so the faster you go, the slower time goes. They've already proven this with particle accelerators. We may have Mm -hmm. talked about this in a previous show. So they will take single atoms that are radioactive. They know how rapidly they'll decay, their Mm half-life. 
they accelerate them near the speed of light and then they decay that much more slowly exactly as Einstein predicted. So we can do it with atoms. The only problem right now is building a ship of the capacity to do it. Now that's strictly special relativity. If you want to get into general relativity, large masses bending and contorting yeah. the fabric of space-time, yeah. then all bets are off. Like one of the great you theories... you can fold it in a pancake and, yes. and, and change the distance yes. between these two points. One of the great theories about the Kecksburg UFO crash, which happened not far from here, is people described an acorn-like ship with the raised rim, and some people thought it was the Nazi bell. No. Now, mm. most people think... That's because they brought it here with other technology through Operation Paperclip and they continued to work with Got that it. primitive time machine. Got it. But the other twist is like a quarter million Nazis were totally MIA after World War II. Where'd they go? So is there a chance that was actually a ship from 19... Oh my gosh, I'm blanking here. 1945 yeah. that actually traveled forward to 1965, 20 years. So, I mean, there's a chance we already have it. Now, the super wild card is some physicists don't think time exists at all. Yeah. They think it's simply a human construct that we have created to try to make sense of things. Mm. And what I find fascinating well, to kind of <laughs> to kind of add to that is anytime you hear people talk about near-death experiences, right. a common theme that almost everybody says, and mm -hmm. it's fascinating. They say, I could see everything and it was like everything was happening all at yeah. once. And you hear that consistently over and over and over well, again. How do you describe that? That's indescribable. They have a very difficult time doing so. Mm -hmm. They say that's the best way they can describe it. Everything is happening all at once. And it kind of reminds me of, um, and this is like, it's not going to sound related, but like for whatever reason, it just like sh struck this memory of like an article I read about uh, biological age compared to chronological age, because mm. they've started like trying to kind of like identify like because like chronological age just doesn't fit everybody mm -hmm. you know what i mean like yeah. it doesn't mean the same thing for everyone and so there's different like environmental factors and different you know whatever that like show you know a, a, a person's age basically but it's not always the influx of time that they've endured i That's love that because yeah. i don't feel 40 like i still feel like a teenager like when i go to work at my <laughs> job yeah. i was like this is so weird that i work with all these adults like yeah. i still feel that way yeah. today i, no, like I know that. what you mean i totally yeah, I really like that but in the aspect of, of quantum entanglement if you want to talk about not entanglement, quantum mechanics in general that okay. whole that that whole area of science yes if there's anything to me that shows that we are entering uh, a, a very rudimentary understanding that the word magic as we know it now is scientific because mm -hmm. quantum mechanics, while some things seem to be predictable, we really don't understand it. And so many illogical things happen in that realm. We're finding more and more every day that, that can't even be explained by math. It's yeah. really... That is the wild card, the wild card that Einstein rejected initially, and the and the and the 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 wild card that we're now and we have been for decades now. We just assume is reality, although we really have a very remedial understanding of it, right? I think quantum mechanics is spectacular because it truly affords the possibility of free will. Like your question is a great one. That's why Einstein hated it. He, at his heart was a classical physicist. He wanted everything to be orderly. And if everything truly did work in the realm of classic physics, you could run things backward 
run things forward and know every single event that was going to happen. And so people, if they believe in a personal God, they tend to assume that God knows everything that's going to happen. Quantum mechanics, not to undercut God, kind of goes against that idea. It's almost like God doesn't even totally know because on the scale of the tiniest minutiae, there is this uncertainty that we just don't know how it's actually going to play out. Absolutely. So I like that idea a lot. People also think, throw one more theory at you, they think time was real up until like 2012 and it's not real anymore. So 2012, you had the whole idea of the Mayan apocalypse, which officially didn't happen. And then us moving into a new age. At the Mm -hmm. same time, CERN, the really powerful particle accelerator, started to do some pretty intense experiments. And one time I went down a rabbit hole. I wish I had saved the website, but it basically showed photographs that people were taking prior to 2012 versus after 2012 of different landmarks. And they were a little bit different. And a lot of people have shared, they've confessed online, like, I don't know why, I can't quite put my finger on it, but over the last couple of years, time just doesn't feel real anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are coming to their own personal conclusion that something is now off compared mm-hmm. to how it used to be, which I like that idea. But I can't yeah. wrap my head around the concept that we created time because, like, yeah. How do you describe time, right? It's the essence of moving forward. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like we've we've touched on this before because it's like you know how how does an afternoon feel whenever you have like a hundred different things to do as opposed to how does an afternoon feel whenever you're just sitting by yourself and you've got nothing going so on. So you're saying that's just not a fe- that's not a feeling. There might be something really tangible with that. I'm saying that like I think that there is certainly the possibility that like your experience dictates a little bit of how things are measured for your for you you know what i mean yes. like I, I, not i think that we've to say that we've created time as a means of like an anchor i think is an accurate statement in the sense that you know in order to relate to each other we have to have some place to exist together okay. but like i know for myself like whenever if i'm spending time alone like that's when time can definitely have the least amount of impact on me or the greatest amount of impact on me. And then sometimes like, you know, if you like have that like kind of like shared experience, like, you know, you, we all step into this room and all of a sudden three hours flies by like that. Yeah. That you is, know what I mean? Cause I've heard that, that yeah. you have the personal ability to control time. Sure. While you were talking, and that was excellent, I found the actual article. Okay. So for anyone who's okay. interested, okay. just Google, this physicist's idea of time will blow your mind. Okay. So this came out in 2018. This was an interview with a theoretical physicist, Carlo Ravelli. And so if you don't mind me reading this yeah, quote, please. he has a book called please. The Order of Time. And so it basically says, time, Rovelli contends, is merely a perspective rather than a universal truth. It is a point of view that humans share as a result of our biology and evolution, our place on Earth and the planet's place in the universe. Now, here's the actual uh, quote. From our perspective, the perspective of creatures who make up a small part of the world, we see that world flowing in time. At the quantum level, however, Mm -hmm. durations are so short that they can't be divided and there is no such thing as time. So let me just give one more paragraph from the article. This is from a website called quartz, qz.com. In fact, Rovelli explains, 
there are actually no things at all. Instead, the universe is made up of countless events. Even what might seem like a thing, a stone, a table, say, is really an event taking place at a rate we can't register. Mm. The stone is in a continual state of transformation, and on a long enough timeline, even it is fleeting, destined mm-hmm. to take on some other form. Yeah, and that ties in with that ties in with quantum mechanics and like doors of perception and all that kind of stuff particles (laughs) particles coming in and out of reality yeah i mean that's that's deep that's deep (laughs) that's that's really deep stardust eric yeah that's really deep (laughs) friends this was great yeah. Man, I was, I was, for, not, for not having any direction, that wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, bad at, at all. all. I know. We landed in a really interesting space and time, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> so check this out before we go. I got... Um, I want to show it off. Yes, do oh, it. Oh, the card. There he is. I got my MUFON card. He's a card-carrying member. So I'm all happy. Thank you, James. Thank you, Fred. <laughs> Fred is on his way to becoming a MUFON field investigator, yeah. and he's going to be awesome at it. Oh, shit. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. so excited. Oh, you guys are going to have such good stories to come back with oh, us. Oh, I can't wait. No, I can't oh. wait. And Eric and I are going to get to benefit that. without doing all the work. Exactly right. <laughs> I love that. I had that happen today. I didn't do any work, and look what happened. Like, yeah. All this good stuff happened. That's awesome. No, I appreciate it very much. This was... This was pretty deep today. This yeah. last section of time travel. And now I'm all screwed up. I, what, what, that book was The Order of Time. Is it Ravelli? Let me Ravelli. Read it. Let me read it one more time. It is theoretical physicist Carlo Ravelli. Ravelli. And his book is The Order, Order of, of time. time. The Order oh. of Time by Ravelli. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna, okay. That's going to be required reading. From Absolutely, that, it will be. Okay. Now, the next show we're going to do a couple of different things. Maybe uh, we definitely <laughs> make a point of that. We definitely want to get dive into the moon next time. Yes, mm-hmm. and we'll have the you know the, the benefit visuals. of the visuals. <laughs> but you also mentioned um, because we just don't do UFOs on here. We do paranormal. We do just conspiracies. Uh, I would love to talk about money. Yes, mm. um, I have a because presentation I, because I don't know a lot. Of, I, I yes. you know, you think I I know about investing and so forth, but yes. the, the broader conspiracy of money, the mm. origin of money, how it's manipulated, how it's created, and how we're controlled by it. Yes, mm. it's almost it's, it's, it's also own. a construct, just like time. It is <laughs> money as we know it is not real. That's almost a show right in itself. That that's yeah, Holy I think shit. it is. That, yeah. That's that's. All right, we're to gonna be. start with the moon, and, we, and money <laughs> might be show six, but for show five, we're gonna do the moon. Eminem. And I will say, I will say not to overstate it, I think potentially, as long as we have a TV, it yes. could be our best show ever because oh, the geez. visuals are going to be out of sight. Oh, Apollo love- is my wheelhouse. I mean, we could do so many things on Apollo. I'm excited. All right, friends. Thank you very much. All right. All right. Show four is wrapped up. And thank you all. We are out. Hello, you're listening to the Eric McKenna Project.